Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, Akiva Wienerker. Akiva, how are you today? I'm great. I've I'm kind of been hurt a little bit by the uh, feedback to the uh, TV countdown from 100 to, through, uh, we're up to 11. Wow, we've been getting great feedback. More than I think we've ever gotten on anything. Yeah, well, overall, the people have enjoyed the podcast. We've, it's definitely the best feedback we've ever gotten, which doesn't say a lot for our sports knowledge, but that's okay. But universally, to a man and woman, no one has said, oh, Akiva, your list is good and Chester's thinks. Oh, no, one person did. Really? One person said that your list was better than mine. Oh, I like that person, whoever it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, universally, we've gotten a lot of Kiva's list is garbage. Someone's like, how could you rank Dawson's Creek, which I didn't even rank Dawson's Creek. I don't, I, I'm not used to like being the bad guy on the podcast. It's usually you who's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you've really made an effort to portray me that way, especially on the, on the Seinfeld podcast. You called me a snob and an elitist because I live in a doorman building. <laughs> I call you something different every week. I've called you an ambulance chaser, a uh, yeah, yeah. To all be, sorts to of be clear, I, I do live in a doorman building, but we live in subsidized housing. I'm aware that most New York so, what are you, like WIC. What does that mean? No, it, it's it's hospital housing for my wife. My wife is a doctor at the hospital, and they have special oh. housing for doctors. Oh, that's so like uh, who? I never would have thought they had special housing for doctors. So everyone in your building is a doctor. <laughs> we don't we don't want to associate with people who don't have you know advanced degrees. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let me read some of the reviews, but if, if you could take a few seconds, if you enjoy your hearing, and even if you don't, I don't care if you give us a bad review. We don't have any below five-star reviews yet. Uh, it seems like a self-selecting crowd. On iTunes, you mean? On iTunes. If you could review us on iTunes, you yeah. don't even have to write a review. You can. It would be nice, but even if you just give us a rating, anywhere from one to five stars is fine. Uh, I'll read the last couple of ratings just to give thanks to the people who wrote them in. Uh, Sam Schofel wrote a great show, and his comment was fun stuff. Keeping it short. And uh, Park C111 wrote, uh, Akiva and Alexander Rock. Uh, I first heard about the podcast through Akiva's recent appearance on a Survivor Arhat podcast. As a fan of Akiva, I decided to check out this podcast. I've been pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable 32 fans is. Both Akiva and Alex have a solid knowledge of the sporting world and have a fresh take on most sports stories. Once in a while, they have interesting non-sports podcasts that are spectacular as well. I highly recommend subscribing to 32 fans. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. All right, so thanks so much, Park C and Sam Schofel. And if you want us to read your review... Or even better, just give us like so many reviews, we'll stop reading them. But I, I think that's enough preamble. Should we get to the actual list? Okay, okay yeah, we can jump right into it. You know, I liked last week how we had the, the mini-sode separate from the TV shows 50 to 11, because 
there's a lot of topics I want to talk to you about this week. A lot of stuff going on in, the, in sports world and outside the sports world. But I understand that that your goal is that when somebody plucks this podcast out of the Library of Congress, you know, 200 years from now, that they focus only on you know TV rankings circa 2016 and, and nothing else. So we'll reserve those other topics maybe for another podcast either later in the week or next week, something like that. I'm also not ready to talk about the NBA playoffs, so it, there's nothing really to discuss. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot to discuss, and you know, by by the time we talk, what made again, you cry this week? Could that be a regular segment? Yeah, uh, well, I, <laughs> I, I did cry last night. What so. you cried? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> so when I cried about the Trump thing, the point is, like, you know, my wife calls me a wimbo, which is a word I think she made up, W-I-M-B-O. Is that you know, like I, a male wimbo? What is that? I, I, don't, I, well, I actually thought she made it up, but I've actually heard her father use it. So it's like a combination between a wimp and I don't know. The point is, I can get emotional from time to time, but it's usually emotional like because of my children or... or Passionate. Or, or, yeah. Like uh, sure. The point is, I never really cry out of sadness per se, and that's mm-hmm. what I had done vis-a-vis Trump, which was the first time I'd done that in... in I don't even remember, probably when a family member died or something. I don't know. It's been a long, long time. But mm-hmm. last night when I was watching Game of Thrones, which, by the way, everybody said that last night's episode, which was, you know, again, for those listening 100 years from now, it was episode three of season six, Oathbreaker, universally regarded as just an all-time episode by everybody except for troll Akiva Wienerker, who said only 10 out of the 52 minutes were enjoyable. <laughs> but but I, I got to say that... It was fine. No, it was totally fine. It was fine. There just wasn't... There weren't a lot of, like, big reveals or anything. We, You know, there aren't a lot of episodes left. I want to see, like, major deaths in every episode from I mean, here on out. Like whipping through it, whatever. We're not. We'll get into that when we get up to Game of Thrones today later in this podcast. But the scene when Jon Snow comes out before his people at Castle Black, I was literally crying and laughing at the same time. I mean, I I cannot. Even though you knew it was going to happen. I was enjoying it so much, and then I was like embarrassed by how much I was enjoying it. You should be embarrassed. Yes, you should be embarrassed. Because I thought I would tell you this, and I knew that you would look at me with derision. Next time, don't even. Don't. It's not even worth it. It's like feeding a bully. All right. Okay. So so let's move let's move along. So you know, for those who are not up to date, we have Akiva has been whipping through his all time uh, greatest 100 TV shows of all time list, and I've been chiming in with my opinions and some opinions of listeners. And uh, in last week's episode, we went from 50 on your list up to 12, and we stopped at 12 because you have your all time top 11. That's where you cut it off because you think you're one better than the rest of us. The rest of us are going to focus on our top 10 today. So you're going to introduce your top 11, and then I'll talk a bit about my top 10 and sort of the you know the the critics' top 10 and our listeners' top 10s, because we do have, we've gotten, you know, over 30 listeners have submitted their lists, and so we'll, we'll discuss all of that. But let's start with, uh, with the man in charge, which is you. So, Akiva, tell us, what is the 11th greatest TV show of all time? Okay, so the, my 11th most favorite television show of all time is Review, Comedy Central show. In 2014, it was my number one show of the year. In 2015, it was my number one show of the year. Sadly, this is its last season, much like The Leftovers. It's going to be three and done. But uh, And I'm not sure uh, how many episodes they're going to get. I can't imagine they're going to get the full 10. Uh, the ratings are not great, but the quality of the show is incredible. Rewatchability is off the chart. There's some truly um, transcendental moments on the show. Uh, the pancake episode, uh, even though it's a straight comedy, there's more drama in it than any show on television. Uh, the, the, the crushing feeling, speaking of crying, if I was going to cry during a TV show... When uh, Jessica St. Clair leaves Andy Daly, the, when he gets divorced for the show and then they never get back together. I mean, that's some sad stuff. I know you're going to hate this review because, you know, the right, I don't know, TV Guide or whoever your guru is doesn't say that it's a top 10 or top 15 show. But to me, this is fair. It's had two seasons. It was my number one show of the year, both seasons. 
if I went back, that would actually would have been a cool exercise to like have my number one show of every year from you know like 1993 or whatever. But uh, I didn't do that. But I, you know, it's it's hard to do better than uh, two for two. And review is is probably the best show on television now. And uh, I I have no. I will fight. I will fight you if you don't like it. Uh, and I will fight for its inclusion in my top 11. The 11 is the Hall of Fame, and this is the first Welcome to My Hall of Fame review. When I when I criticize your your rankings, it's not that I don't like these shows. I, I like review. I have it number 70 on my list, which, you know, I, I will say this. If, if we compare it to Nathan For You, your your other, you know, beloved and, and, and ranked too high Comedy Central show, I actually think Nathan For You is, if anything, should be higher because it's more unique. Like, you, you know, one thing you talked about for Nathan For You is, if you're going to show it to somebody else. And there are many scenes in Nathan For You that I've showed. So you're to right. People. Let's move Nathan For You up and let's move uh, Game of Thrones down or <laughs> No, but like, you know, like I've had people over and I've saved Nathan For You's on my DVR because I say, I have to show you this bit. Like, you know, some, and it's just like some things are really incredible. Review is a good show, but it's not, again, it's crazy that a show that's had 20 episodes and will have 25, 30 episodes, whatever in total, you're going to put it above The Simpsons. That's just nuts. Like, whatever. But it's your list. and, and yeah, Because if, if, here's the deal. The same way you do that with Nathan for you, which of course I've done also, I do that for review. If you had a friend come over and say, like, let me show you last week's Simpsons episode, they wouldn't be your friend anymore. Well, that, we're talking about two different things here. Now, the value in Nathan for you or review is you're turning somebody on who's never heard of it because these are sort of smaller shows. Sure. But it just you made like endless fun of me for having bored to death in my Hall of Fame, but you have review in your Hall of Fame, and I don't, I don't think that either one has more or less merit than the other. They're... They're funny shows that have a, a niche crowd. And well, I've seen both shows. I can tell you which one has merit. Well, that's according to you, and I, and I disagree. I, I I mean, we both have both shows on our list, but we both sort of have flipped in terms of where we have them ranked. But whatever, that's fine. That You have review at number 11, and um, let's move on. What's number 10 on your list? Okay, number 10 on my list is uh, Game of Thrones. What? I assume this is one on your list, 1A, 1B, and 1C. Wait, so you moved it down? Because when you sent me your list last week, it was higher. You've punished it for... Yeah, I thought about it, and I, oh I moved it down God. to 10. You're an insane person. All right. Okay. I have to... You know, anytime there's Rick on the screen, i got to move it down a little bit. <laughs> We've seen it for the first time in four years. <laughs> yeah. Any brand, and then moving this down. Goodbye, brand. Okay. Uh, no, I love Game of Thrones. Here's I'll, I will give you a nitpicky complaint. It's not even nitpicky. This is a huge complaint about Game of Thrones. If you and I tried to write review, it would literally be garbage. If you and I wrote the second season of Game of Thrones, it would be like 90% as good. The material from the book is so strong and so vivid that a lot of it writes itself. You're basically just picking out which scenes to use. And a huge percentage of the time, especially in the more simple books like book two. Well, so you're saying adapting what's already been written. Whereas review is written from like I don't understand the comparison there. Yes, review is like a totally original creation. Whereas Game of Thrones, they're just putting it. You know, they're just okay. putting it. It's I, like Lord of the Rings, just the TV show. Oh, oh I mean, uh, we could have written all the scenes. I don't know if the dialogue would have been as snappy if Tyrion would have had as many fun, one funny one-liners, but we could have picked out scene a, for a, scene. But a show just isn't just the the script. Like yeah, the of script has already been presented by George not. R. Martin. But That's when we're talking about degree of difficulty, no show. On this list, obviously, it's the biggest production. It's like filming three shows in one, by, by far the biggest budget. So they are filming like a movie in every episode. So I'm not taking that away from them. But just coming from like a writing standpoint, it's the easiest show on the list to write out of all 100, without question. No, I don't agree. 
but but again, you're of discounting you're discounting what's already been written by George R. R. Martin, which makes no sense. That's like saying if you gave me the second to final draft of a review script, could I make it into the final draft? Ninety percent as good as the final draft? Yes. Well, okay, like, that's in, a horrible argument. No, it's not. That argument is literal you're, garbage. Because no, <laughs> you're you're saying like what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Like there's already a there's already a script. There's already a source material. That's fine. That's not yeah. a neg- that doesn't make the show less good. Uh, I don't All know. Right. It makes it something. I'll just put it this way: there has never been a TV show that I have enjoyed as much on a weekly basis as, as Game of Thrones. We've already discussed the number of podcasts that I listen to every week of this show. I, I've become a little bit obsessed about the show for sure. Between reading reviews and reading discussions and listening, how your how your starting a Game of Thrones podcast start since we last spoke? Well, no, I'm not actually going to start a Game of Thrones podcast. I just want to discuss it with people. And I've been actually that having mentioned that on the podcast did lead, lead to discussing with a bunch of new people. So that that was a benefit. So thank you all for contacting me about Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's exactly what Chester needs, guys. Yeah, more, more people, people talk to them about Game of Thrones. Well, I do because I can't stand these casuals like like you or my wife who are like watch the show and then flip to the next show. Like, all right, that's enough. It's it's just. And, well, and no, again, I asked you a bunch of questions this week. We actually yeah. had to talk about the show. Yeah, it's funny because I this was not at all up my alley. Like you, I'm not a person. I I could care less about fantasy. I have no interest in Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings or anything with aliens or magic. When or sp- did you start watching Game of Thrones? I started watching Game of Thrones. I was at my my original law firm that I was working at out of law school. And so eight law firms ago, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was on a particularly boring sort of doc review, the kind of thing they put junior associates on. And it was so mind numbing that I had a separate screen on the side where I would have HBO Go going. And that's when I powered through the Sopranos, which I had never seen, and I powered through, you know, Curb for the forty seventh time, and and Life and Sopranos times of- and Game of Thrones are tough shows to watch at work. You have to have a really solid office. What do you mean by solid? Like I have walls in my like, office, like like soundproof. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they were. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've had good offices. I, you know, I've taken naps in my offices before, so. <laughs> So now you've uh, almost moved down in offices now because you have a glass office. Yeah, the, my my new firm has glass walls. Not crazy about it. Um, you know, it, it prevents uh, certain activities in your office, obviously. But um, whoa! <laughs> I'm just saying, if my wife is ever going to visit me at this office, it's all right. We'll leave it. That's at that. never happening. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. If you pod- keep podcasting, it's literally never going to happen. Home office anywhere. Yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah, so I, I started watching Curb. I, actually, I have to give Bill Simmons credit. He it was it was it was season two was it was the time when season two of Game of Thrones was on, and he made some reference in one of his I think end of the season NBA columns to Game of Thrones, and I was like, well, you know, I had nothing. And he was out. He didn't want to start watching it at first because he doesn't want to spend time in the jungle. He would say. Yeah, well, and right, so I, I, I had so I basically watched everything else on HBO Go, and I was like, well, there's only two seasons. This is only twenty episodes. You, but you've never seen the leftovers. You've never seen Rome. Yeah, you found all these HBO shows you haven't seen yet, even though you claim to be like the ultimate HBO well, fan. First of all, leftovers didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. Right, but but again, I did watch Deadwood. I, I watch most shows. I will watch Rome at a certain point. So I watched seasons one and two of Game of Thrones, and it was the kind of show where as soon as you finish an episode, you have to immediately rewatch that same episode. And I just got sucked in, and and then I ended up, even though again I would never read books like this, I ended up listening to the books on Audible, and beyond that, I ended up reading every single piece of possible information that exists between Wikipedia's and discussions, so that 
I probably know more about it than 90% of book readers, even though I haven't actually read like a, a page. Well, that's not true. I've read one of the books, the hard copy, where I was somewhere for the weekend. Well, but you've listened to all five books? Well, no. So I actually stopped. I didn't listen to the fifth one, but that's what I'm saying. Even though I didn't listen to the fifth one, I feel like I know more than most people who did just because... Oh, but you've listened to four of the books. So you have essentially read all of the books except for the fifth one. Yeah, but it's because... you know. The and four- why, why won't you read... Why didn't you listen to the fifth one? Because by the time of the fourth and fifth one, simultaneously to listening to them and watching the show, I was reading everything online, so I was sort of spoiling myself anyway. And I felt like I was getting so much information already that I is that I when I was when I was listening to it, I and the truth is this: reading a book, a hard copy, is much more valuable than. Sure. What's your What's your favorite of the five books? Since we're talking Game of Thrones, I don't know. My favorite, I, I really don't know, honestly. I would say it's not four. Four, I, I think, is the worst. I would say one, just because. See, it, but I I did, I did it in such a convoluted order because first I watched the show. Then I read everything you could read online about the books in the show, and then I listen. I, li- I, w- I listened to the books last. So at that point, I wasn't getting any new information from the books. I was just sort of appreciating like the depth. Sure, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, here, especially for people who are non-book readers and who don't want to be spoiled in terms of theories about you know various characters. But it's interesting how something can be presented in the book. But well, I'll give you an example. So the way that Tyrion's physical description is provided in the book. It's provided once or maybe twice or three times. You know, from time to time it's referenced. But 98% of the time that Tyrion is invoked, you're not describing how he looks such that they can make a reference to how he looks, which is a big hint to a theory, but it's not like in your face. Whereas if on the show he were to look exactly how he's described in the book, it would be so obvious about that theory. Does, was, is what I'm saying making sense or is it not because I'm being too vague here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so – you know, so that's sort of one of the challenges of a show versus a book that you can mention something in a book once or twice as a hint, but on a show, if you you know, it would be obvious all the time, and so that they can't really do those things. So, okay. but anyway, all right. So, G- Game of Thrones, whatever. It's it's higher on my list. I'll say exactly where it is when I when I get to my when I say my top ten. But fine, at least you have it in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I love the show. I I, I read all five books. I've watched every episode of the show. I, l- I look forward to it. But it's it. funny, but you call yourself a casual. Uh, yeah, because I feel like the level of discourse has gotten so high that I can't compete with it. You know, I, So I have to sort of stand back and be like, okay, you guys know your stuff, and I'm just going to be here and enjoy the show for what it is. Yeah. it's I, 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 With both things, I, I have to like know the most or, or I'm fine knowing nothing. Yeah, Bill Simmons you know? has complained about how advanced metrics – and analytics has sort of caused sports fans. If you're just sort of a casual sports fan who just has stupid takes, you'll be eviscerated. Mm-hmm. And so either you got to get all the way in or just sort of stand in the back row. So you're saying you've sort of sure. chosen. You enjoy Game of Thrones from the back row, basically. I'm I'm the back row Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, and and even okay. though I came, even though I you know was late to the party, obviously, uh, you know I, I'm not a guy who read the books in 1996 and was waiting a decade for this show. Well, neither did I. I didn't read yeah. them in '96. Anyways, all right, okay. So number nine on your list. Okay, number nine is a show that I hope I have no idea what your experience with the show is, but this is, you know, not a show a lot of people put on, but it's clearly deserving to be here. And it's the Ali G show. It's a show that created, uh, well, the Ali G character already existed. Uh, is a British show. This is I'm really just this is the you know you have the best version of the popular movie characters Bruno and Borat there. Every single scene is incredible. The level of work that that Sasha Baron Cohen puts into the uh, show behind the scenes is remarkable. You know, tricking people like the the uh, late uh, head of the UN, Boutros Boutros Ghali, and all these you know rabbis and all these other people. 
A, a um, disgraced rabbi, I think is who you're referencing. A disgra- yeah, that disgraced rabbi. <laughs> you know, the show's incredible. Every single scene, I imagine most of it's on YouTube, still holds up now. Borat character is even better than he is in the movie. So is Bruno. It's crazy. I was watching like a few, few uh, clips to get ready for today. And it's crazy how like homophobic everyone was around Bruno. Like he goes into the Al- University of Alabama football locker room. And he speaks to like the backup running back, and he's like, uh, "You know, what do you have to say to your gay fans in Austria?" Bruno's asking him, and he's like super uncomfortable, and it's like not clear how how Bruno even like got there. Why, like, why are you amazed by him. it? Are you not watching what's going on in the uh, American 2016 election? It's just it was just like Mark because I had the two scenes I, I saw of of Bruno, and then he then he has like some college wrestlers. They might have been University of Alabama. They're on a the beach. Yeah, that's a good and scene. He also. has them like do like manly poses. Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, where they jump off the, the top. wrestling yeah. team. Yeah, and they show their and, like, butt. And, and, and at the end, yeah. he's like, uh, "Say hello to gay Austrian TV." Yeah. And they like start beating him up, and he like literally had to leave the state. By the way, my favorite part of the Bruno away. character is the fact that he's also a Nazi. <laughs> you know. Yes. You know, like stay in the ghetto or train. Right. To he's not like a liberal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this: I have the Ali G show at twenty-eight on my list. It's. Mm-hmm. That doesn't represent how, my appreciation for Sasha Baron Cohen or his characters. It's just that that's simply a reflection of the American TV show. So I already was familiar with him. The show debuted in America, as I recall, in the summer of 2004. Also, the summer I met my wife. And, and I remember telling her, like, you have to watch the show. We started watching together in July or August, whenever it came on, because I, I think there were six episodes of that first season. But yeah, I, had I think already, every season had six Yeah, I had already watched a ton of the stuff he had done in England. I was, I think I first came familiar with him through some of my English friends and also through, like, European version of MTV. He was also, do you remember that, that music video that Madonna had for that song, Music, in, like, 2001 yeah. or something? It was, I think we were in high school. So he was in that music video. It was him and Madonna before he was famous in America. But he was already, like, he had co-hosted, like, the MTV Europe Music Awards in, like, 2002, 2003. So I learned about him over there. And I was so excited about him. And I've watched like so much of his stuff from the YU network, actually, that you've mentioned before. The network had all these old British clips that he had been on. So the, if you take the cumulative value of everything that he's done, it would be way higher on my list. We combine TVs and movie and just sort of characters that he would be in my top five, I would say. But the American sure. show in and of itself wasn't it, – it wasn't by any stretch sort of the most impactful form of these characters that he made. I hear. And just to be uh, accurate, so the, the British – uh, season had six episodes and Bruno didn't exist yet. And then there was two six episode seasons of the American show in 03 and 04. Wait, so there was only there was only 12 episodes total? Yeah, 12, uh, 18 if you include the British show, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard. And then they did that. And then they brought I hear, it back. I understand what they you're saying. They brought it back last year to FX, remember? Well, no, they, they didn't make new stuff. They kind of just like, well, he just no, did the yeah, intro to well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, they added like one or two minutes worth of new stuff to old stuff. And I watched all that as well. But again, that was that was just a repeat of the old stuff, essentially. Yeah, so I understand if somebody says, oh, that can't be harder than 50 because there's only 12 real episodes. But the the quality is so high. Uh, and maybe it doesn't age well just because, like, so many frat boys love the crow Borat and Well, also, but I think it does age well because it's spoken so well, showed a mirror to America, frankly, that has been reflected especially this year in, in the presidential candidate. Oh, don't um, cry again. And yet, ironically, I think also what you said is that many of his fanboys are also are sort of – there's a lot of lack of self-awareness of Ali G fans, sure. I think. And indicative sure. of the fact that many of them could easily be characters on that show and yet don't realize it. Sure. And we haven't even talked about Throw the Jews Down the Well, which is from the TV show, not not the movie. Yeah, so to have it nine is high, but I, I have no qualms because I, I love Sasha Marin Cohen. And again, I consume basically everything he's produced. So I was very disappointed that he uh, was not involved with that rumored Freddie Mercury movie. 
Right. He discussed it on WTF that they wanted it to be about Queen and not about Freddie Mercury. Which yeah, is exactly. An absurd proposition, and they want to do it. Uh, so you've seen the show. We should have added at the beginning, by the way, Chester. Yeah. That one thing we've added to the list that maybe makes it exciting is that we each get to assign the other person a show. And they have to watch. They don't have to watch the whole show, right? It's just one season, and it's up they to them to, whether yeah, they want to continue. Season. Yeah, an entire season. But you have to. There's no. There's no backing out of it. Yeah. So if you say Akiva, you have to watch Boardwalk Empire. I'm stuck. I have to watch it, even though I really don't want to. Yeah. Correct. Hopefully, you'll sign me party down. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I have not picked your show yet, but uh, you know, who knows? Anyway, uh, we're ready for number eight. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you, you mentioning Freddie Mercury, I had a uh, a decent Freddie Mercury take once upon a time. Although okay. it was later, it, it was later sort of hijacked, but or not hijacked because obviously he didn't know about me. But Adam Carolla had a similar take, and so I can't really. Even though I said it before, I heard of him having said it. Now it's sort of more famous as his take. But basically, when I was in law school, my roommate and I at the time were really into this network, which was then called Palladium. And I think it's I think it was started by Mark Cuban. It was basically just an HD network that would basically just show old rock concerts in HD. Oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was my it was my favorite channel in law school because my roommate and I would we would imbibe from time to time on a on a, on a fine bottle of uh, of scotch or maybe something else, and and we would just watch this you know till two three in the morning, and we would just come up with these sort yeah, of yeah. There were cool concerts like it's an HD channel and it yeah, was back in the day. Was I like mean, one of the like we HD we would watch like Avril Lavigne concerts. We'd watch everything. It was really yeah. Good. There were great concerts on there. They're yeah. Good. It was really it was shot well. We were watching a Freddie Mercury concert, excuse me, Queen one day, and we realized basically like, Freddie Mercury was so incredible because he was he came of age in such an incredibly homophobic era, and not not just that he rose to the top and was like the number one rock band in that era, but he was the rock, specifically number one in like sports arenas. Like they play, you know, we will rock you and we are the champions, and like the sports world, which is sort of especially back then like as homophobic a world as there is in America, and yet here you have a character, and he names his band Queen, and everybody's like. Oh man, that band is so awesome! Oh, they must slay so many chicks. And his band is called Queen. And then he comes out on stage, literally dressed, you know, like a stereotype of like like the gayest character you can possibly believe. And people are still unaware. They're like, "Oh man, that guy's so awesome!" Like, "Oh, he must get so many girls after his concert." And then Freddie Mercury's like, "What do I have to do to convince people I'm gay?" All right, I'm gonna dive it. And it's like he like went as far as he could, and yet people were like still like unaware that he was gay for some reason. Like you read like no, contemporary reports in the '80s. And, like, there was no awareness of his sexuality, which just shows sort of the blindness or, or denial that uh, people were living in back then. But Remember yeah. after uh, Jason Collins and Michael Sam came out and people thought the floodgates would op- be open? Didn't really happen. Yeah, not, 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 that, not that open yet, yeah. Jason Collins started the last game of his career. That's the only game in any of the four major sports that an out uh, person has, uh, has started. Yeah, I mean, now there's tons, obviously, in tennis and golf and women's basketball and things like that. But Sure. MLS, even. Yes, Right, but not the big four. Yeah. All right. Number eight on your list. Okay, number eight is a show that will be less familiar to the a certain segment of our <laughs> listeners than any other show, but uh, then there'll be a lot of diehards who listen, and it'll go along the lines of uh, the RJP people versus the non-RJP people. And so number eight is a show called The Genius. I believe you're not familiar with it at all, right? Correct. It is a South Korean reality show. It's in Korean. Uh, more like a game show. There's no reality aspect to it in the sense that they it's a it's a competition, and the people come and go every week. It's not like they're living in a house and you're watching them. It's just they come, they compete in uh, a really high level game. Someone gets eliminated, and they do the whole thing again next week. There have been four seasons of the show. Um, the last season ended a year ago. I miss it terribly. Like a family member that died. 
<laughs> Hopefully they'll come back for a fifth season. The Genius could easily be number one in this list. The Genius is an incredible show. The editing is amazing. The music is amazing. Apparently, you don't have to pay rights fees in South Korea for any music. So they have like incredible, uh, an incredible soundtrack to the show. Just the high-level thinking of these games. It's almost like a reality show for smart people. Dumb people can appreciate it, too, if that scares you off. Like, I like it. Don't worry. <laughs> but it's such a good show. Uh, yes, it is in Korean, but a, a super fan did uh, subtitle the whole show. So you can watch it. The only thing is it's a little different. Not, it's, it's, you'd have to watch it the way Chester watches Game of Thrones. Like with two eyes, you can't be on your phone because you have to, you know, read the subtitles. But the whole thing is all four seasons are subtitles. Yeah, but I watch everything with subtitles. Oh, you do? Yeah. I mean, everything like that. That's why I'd rather watch a show on HBO Go on my laptop than on actual HBO Live. Because I need like when I watch movies, I watch subtitles. I think you pick up so much more of the script. You pick up subtleties. In this week's episode. You're probably right. In this week's episode, for example, uh, when Picel farts. Some people in some of the podcasts I listened to last night weren't sure if he had. But if you watched it with subtitles, you know he did because the, the subtitles say Pysel farts. <laughs> right. Um, so the characters Did you, did you are... pick up on his fart or no? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I did hear. Um, the, the characters in The Genius are, are all amazing. It's not... It, you, and these are mostly celebrities, like there are some civilians. But you also like appreciate like... The celebrities in Korea are, are like as smart as the as like you know actual like professors in America. Like I can't imagine you know like uh, like the Madden twins and uh, Avril Lavigne. Well, she's not American, but you know Britney Spears coming on the show and like actually doing well. You know Dane Cook, how he does in uh, in like uh, tactical tactical Norian. I got bad news for you, Chester. Yeah. You're watching The Genius. I'm watching a Korean reality show. You are watching a Korean reality show. <laughs> oh it is. You, not only are you watching it, you're going to love it. How many episodes are in this first season? Uh, the first season has 12 episodes. How long uh, is each, each one? Is a, uh, each one, there's no commercials. Each one is about an hour. 12 hours of Korean television is coming my way. Oh boy! We could we could re- after a few episodes. If you're really not buying it, then we can we can revisit. Well, I it. will say this: so only four people out of the you know the almost forty whose lists we now have have ranked it. Mm-hmm. Spencer Parks, Katie, Eddie Johns, and Mike Bloom, but all four have it in their top twenty. So basically, yeah, it's an amazing show. If if, like, if you're going to like the show, you're going to love this show. Apparently, no anybody who watches it loves this yeah, show. Speaking of Eddie Johns, by the way, Eddie Johns did not like my criticism of him last week. He was the one who doesn't have Seinfeld on his list because he says he was born in the '80s. Yet he has like mm-hmm. Drew Carey show. I should be criticizing that, not you. Yeah, well, he sent an email to defend himself, but his defense doesn't really make sense. He just says, he says. So now you're calling out the list, Eddie, again. Well, fine. I'll give, I'll give him a chance. I'll read his entire response. So he said, I have to defend my honor for a second. My reasoning for not ranking Seinfeld wasn't just that I was born in the 80s. It wasn't one of the shows I went to when it was on and have only dabbled in it since. That's what I got for entering the Chester Spin Zone. So I don't... His reason isn't only that he was born in the 80s. His reason is that he didn't watch the show because he didn't watch the show. Like, I'm not really sure what he's saying there. But um, look, Eddie, I'm, I'm joining you as a genius watcher, apparently. And so uh, maybe I'll have more respect for your... <laughs> and just like the games are, are so complicated... And what what's cool is like sometimes someone solves the game. Like sometimes there's like a you know like an absolute solution, and like someone is smart enough to figure out. Sometimes they don't. But also like a lot of the games are simple enough that like I made variations of a bunch of them, and I can play them with my seven year old and my ten year old, and they really like them. So I I do think if you if you get, if you come in with an open mind, I actually think you'll be blown away by how good the show is. Uh, if you come in expecting to hate it, I'm sure you'll hate it. No, I wouldn't waste my time watching a show that I'm going to come into myself I'm going to hate. I'll give it a chance. Well, you have no choice. Even if even if uh, even if you hate it, you have to watch it. I should see the problem with me assigning it now is like now I feel like 
I'm more likely to be stuck with Boardwalk Empire where I want you to stick me with Party Down or something else. <laughs> All right. Okay. So genius number eight on your list. What's number seven on your list? Number seven on my list is the Chappelle, is Chappelle show. Chappelle now, like when you hear his comedy, it's not good anymore. Like when he snapped, he really did lose it. He lost his fastball. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain how good and how big the show was for a Comedy Central show. Like we talked about how Family Guy resurrected itself. Last week, uh, how Family Guy resurrected itself by just selling like a zillion DVDs when DVD sales were popular. Yeah, but this show was, I think, the biggest selling DVD of all time. I think it even beat the Family Guy record. Every skit was incredible, starting from basically the first one, the Black White Supremacist. It's it's almost like the the excitement level for like each show in season one and season two. It's almost hard to replicate. There's really been nothing on like it since. It's almost like SNL if every single Skit was an absolute home run for 10 weeks a year. Uh, you could really go back and watch. Basically, you know, there's a few duds, especially in the truncated third season. But you could go back now and watch The Racial Draft, watch The Mad Real World, you know, watch. Uh, I love when he has like the white, when he, he like, I can't say anything about the president. So he, he brings up the white girl to like sing yeah. in, in like that voice. Um, Pretty much anyone who isn't black looks the same to me. Right. Exactly. That's not your words. That's uh, I wouldn't mind sticking a finger up that white girl's butt. Call me on my cell two two seven. I'm I'm familiar. I'm familiar. You know, and then the mini segments like when keeping it real goes wrong. The Charlie Murphy Hollywood story, like every and which is very you know uh, relevant now because it's about Prince. I I just I now I'm like upset just thinking about it that it's gone. That uh, now I have to go back and probably watch. It's almost like. I would do it, but I but I think uh, Rembert uh, Brown did it already. But like almost ranking every segment on the show is it would be worthwhile. Uh, the show holds up just as well now as when it ended ten years ago. Uh, I miss it. I love you, Chappelle Show. Uh, what do you have to say about Chappelle Show? All right, look, I like Chappelle Show. I have it at thirty-one on my list. It's kind of like Ali G in that the comedian and his entire body of work I appreciate more. The show itself. No, this is his whole body work, unless you're talking no, about Half-Baked. No, no, he has a bunch of great stand-up specials, like the one in San Francisco. He has so many great stand-up specials, like where he mm-hmm. has whole bits that he never put on the show, like the baby who you know sneaks into the club. And he has so many great stand-up bits. He's a he's an all-time great stand-up, I think. Not now, but but you know, he was in the late nineties for sure. It's a good show. The best skits, again, you could watch them, and this is gonna be true of him or Amy Schumer or anything like that. The best skits, you can find them online, just the clips. His last segment would always be he'd bring a rapper on. Some of them are pretty boring. Some of them, like he brought Kanye West on before Kanye was anybody. So he did, mm-hmm. you know, he was sort of forward thinking in terms of music. I think he had like Chappelle Show Block Party. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I have two similar type shows in my top 10, so I can't be too critical of, of having this in the top 10. It, look, it's a show I really like. I wouldn't say it's the top 10 show. Okay, you'd be wrong. All right, number six. All right, finally some consensus. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. This show actually, uh, not to spoil all the, the listener top ten rankings, but this show did much better than I would have expected. I well, think it finished six or seven overall. Well, I mean, I think there's a reason for that, but, but anyway, continue. Speaking of holding up, Curb Your Enthusiasm holds up so well. I'm right now on a uh, cycle of not watching it, just in case uh, <laughs> in some form my podcast about it post-Seinfeld. I yep. want it to be fresh for me. Um, it's such an amazing show. If you haven't seen it, you're an idiot. Even if you don't like Seinfeld, um, probably the reason you don't like Seinfeld is, well, the clothes are too old. You know, so whatever your reasoning would be for not liking Seinfeld would probably be 
totally irrelevant for No, my her. wife is a classic example of that. She doesn't like Seinfeld. She doesn't like sitcoms. And Curb is on her top ten list also. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason oh, she your wife sent in the top ten list? No, she didn't send in the top ten list. I'm just saying if she were to make a list, I know Curb would be on it. Well, you're guessing it's on her list? No, I, we've discussed it. I know it's one Can of her favorite shows. Can we call her up and get her top ten list now on the podcast? No, because then she would know I'm recording a podcast right now. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> By the way, Jen, this is not happening when Jester's supposed to be coming home. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously I love Curb. You know, Curb versus Seinfeld is an interesting debate to me. It, it, it's They were dealing with totally different environments and a different set of rules so for example my wife's criticism my wife refuses to watch seinfeld to my chagrin and to go i don't like sitcoms i don't like the laugh track like she's obsessed with the laugh track um and and, you know what she likes about curb is the fact that it's not scripted you know it's just larry sets up the scenes and then films i don't know what more you can say about curb it's it's an all-time show it has rewatchability it the the scarcity yeah we shouldn't have to pitch you on it but if you haven't seen it uh, rectify that please yeah if there's any show that i would pay for them to bring back another season Beyond Game of Thrones, when it eventually ends, it would be Curb. I'd rather I'd, I'd rather see more. A, I'd, I'd rather see more Curb than any other show. Chance we see another Curb. There could be. Yeah, it, it's sort of when Larry David feels like it. Like first of all, what we don't know what Larry's doing right now. He could be working on it right now. Yeah, it's possible. He's sort of between things. By the way, it also and and I, and I love and you know you know this from some of my other shows. I love when we see actors playing thinly veiled versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. So. That, that, that's obviously a great thing of Curb. You, you get to see a lot of actors poke fun at themselves. It's one of the things I love about the Larry Sanders show. So anyway, Curb is a great show. You're talking about Jeff Garland playing himself? No, I'm talking about everybody else. Jeff Garland actually plays a character named Jeff Green. Although it's basically yeah. Jeff Garland. Except it's a, he's a, the, the way that that character changes over time is interesting. In season one, he's such a scumbag, you know? He's cheating on his wife left and right. Yeah, it's funny because you never hear good things about him. You hear a lot of people complaining about him, people who meet him. Jeff Garland, the person? The person. You know, yeah, he's 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 a little oversensitive for sure, and a oh, little, yeah. he's a little judgy. He used to he used to have his own podcast, on Earwolf, and yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I listened to it. It was okay. It was All fine. Right. Um, okay, number, number five. five. We're in the top five now, baby. Number five, The Sopranos. I'm a little surprised by how this ended up doing in the overall rankings. When The Sopranos ended, it was generally regarded as the best television show of all time, if not the best TV show, the best dramatic television show of all time. Yeah. Regardless of your opinion or my, I think objectively, like the experts, we'll get to that. But yeah, it's the greatest TV show of all time. I have no problem with that. My one knock on The Sopranos is that there are a lot of weak episodes. The Wire does not have a lot of weak episodes. Uh, Breaking Breaking Bad does have weak episodes. We didn't talk that much about the negative aspects of Breaking Bad. I guess when you mentioned you were a top 10, we could talk about it a little more. But like, you know, even the first season's not great. There are some clunkers, of course, get so good at the end. The the New Hampshire episodes are really terrible. The Russian dude coming, not great. Like, there are some weak storylines. Maybe we go a little bit too much with uh, Christopher Moltisante, Andrea DiMatteo, who's maybe a little bit out of her league uh, acting-wise around some of the people, uh, some of you know, the, the top-notch actors. That being said, it's The Sopranos. It's an amazing show. You should watch it. The, the you know, controversial ending shouldn't really take away from the show. Also, can you call it controversial? It was so successful. It got so many people discussing, you know, writing dissertations sure. on what it meant. Well, I don't know if they say, well, press is good press, but like the show is over. I'm not sure exactly what they were going for. And I think with four of the five shows, one of my top five is still going. So we can't talk about the finale of the show. But I think it's worth touching on the finale of all of them and, and you know, contrasting it to a show, say, like Breaking Bad, which does really well historically because of the finale. But had they botched the finale, it wouldn't be on anybody's top ten list. I mean, that's completely wrong, but... No, it's true. 
No, Breaking Bad was already on every top five list, regardless of the end. I know, but show, you know what was also on top five's list? No, five not true. Not true. You're going to say Lost. No. We'll get to Lost when you... We'll, we'll no. get to Lost. That's not true. If I, Lost if was not on, on anybody's top, top ten five. list after the first couple seasons. The Seasons four, oh, seasons five, it went way down. All right, you're making me mad. The finale was actually brought back way more viewers that had quit for... I mean, my wife, for example, quit after season one. She hated the beginning of season two. She quit, but she came back to watch the finale because she wanted to see it. Like, it did, yeah, of what but, show? Of Lost. Tons yeah, of people, were, mean tons people, of people quit it. Lost way it. early. No, people quit Lost in season three, season four, thought it became a ridiculous show. Sure. It, it, yeah, the, no, the ratings definitely dropped. Yeah. They basically halved from the beginning yeah. to the end. But that was also uh, It wasn't a show that was, was, was you know, going along at its top level, and then it got ruined by the finale. But anyway. Uh, anyway, my point is, if The Sopranos had absolutely nailed the finale, it would be have an unbreakable spot at number one on the list. But because yeah, but I, think, it I think it did. I, see, I disagree. To me... No, but it's not your opinion whether they nailed it. The public opinion was that they didn't nail it. No, I disagree. The, pu- the public opinion was just incessant, endless debate and discussion. What did it 100%, mean? 100%, but it was m- primarily negative. It was negative from idiots. Okay. People who want everything wrapped up with a bow. Okay, everyone's an idiot but you and David Chase. No, I, first of all, I didn't even see the show at the time, so I had no opinion. And I, and, you know, by the did t- you watch, So you watched the whole show after it had ended? Yeah. And did you know what happened? Do you know how the show ended? I mean, I know it went to black. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, you know, I, I was aware. Yes, it, it was impossible to be uh, unaware of that, which is indicative of... Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. One of the things I mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit last week when I talked about why I have Mad Men on my list ahead... I have Mad Men on my list at, at number 11, and I have it ahead of a couple of dramas that I like a little bit more, Boardwalk Empire and Deadwood, for example. Just oh, I put, know why, because you're a slave to the people, No, you know, Hold to on. critics, and you don't want... You don't, you know, you're very concerned with what people think, and no. that's why you mock things like Allergy okay. Show. Like, Allergy Show can't be nine, but no, no okay. critic because it's hard in 42. All right. You know, okay. you can't uh, have your own right. opinion. Okay, you have to Mr. like Hot what take. people tell you to like. Because, again, a, part of the re- I did not enjoy Sopranos nearly as much as I should have enjoyed Sopranos. And the reason for that is because I didn't watch Sopranos when it was live on air. Okay, you know, so, so wh- why does that harm a show? Like, who cares what your personal experience was to it? Well, it's my ranking of how I enjoyed a show. My ranking is oh, how okay, I. Okay, fine. Okay, now, now I have Sopranos number five, just like you, so I think it's an all-time show. But the problem is, because I didn't watch it in real time, because I and, – and one of the reasons I didn't watch it for as long – I didn't start watching it until 2012, I think, or 2011. And the reason was because even by the time I started powering through different things on HBO, I, I also watched Game of Thrones before I watched Sopranos. Because I was so – I was like, look, this is 86 episodes or whatever it was. They're an hour long. That's such an, an incredible commitment of time. I'll know I'll like this, but it's just too much. I'm never going to get through it, which is the same reason I re- resisted like the West Wing, for example. I don't have time to commit to this. I know I'll like it, but I just don't have the time. And when I finally decided to dip my toe into The Sopranos, I liked it, but my goal was power through these 86 as quickly as possible, which meant finish an episode, watch an episode, finish an episode, watch an episode. I didn't get a chance to savor it like a fine bottle of wine, right? Like when you drink, you can drink because you enjoy the experience or you can drink because your goal is to get drunk. So you think you would have liked it if there was a Sopranos podcast you could listen to or, or a bunch of you – know, I mean, the Sopranos really started the idea of the recaps – yeah, the obsessive the the, obs- the obsessive anticipation of you wait a whole week for your show drives mm. your enjoyment of the show because all week long sure. you're obsessively thinking about it. Well, look, NFL football, that's part of the success. All week long you look forward to Sunday or Monday night. Yeah, right now it's all I'm thinking about. 
Especially while you go on this rant. Yeah, and that's what part of what drives the excitement. I remember like in seasons four and season five of The Wire, which is the first time I really experienced this, that's how I mm-hmm. felt. It was like so excited all week long to get to my show. I didn't have that for The Sopranos. So I didn't get to discuss it with people. I didn't get to think about it in my own head. I just powered through all 86 episodes. So you said there's some stronger ones, there's some weak ones. In my head, it's all sort of a mishmash. Right, After the blur, James... but you didn't love the New Hampshire stuff, probably. Wait, what's the New Hampshire stuff? What are you talking about? No, with the gay guy. who I don't even remember the character's name, and he goes up to New Hampshire and... Oh, yeah. See, so the problem is I don't remember all these details as much, which is which is why I have it only number five, even though, again, it's partially my fault. I think I have to rewatch. I think so, I have to rewatch the so when James Gandolfini died, I decided to rewatch Sopranos. And again, that's just an incredible investment of time. And so I started watching and I got through like one and a half seasons and I was enjoying it much more than the first time I watched it. And, and, I, and I understand why it's number one all time for so many critics, because also you have to give something credit given its context, right? Like Citizen Kane is sort of the consensus greatest movie of all time. I don't think of Citizen Kane in its exact form. As some people say it's Anchorman, but that's okay. Yeah, some people, yeah. If Citizen Kane came oh, out Oh, wait, tomorrow- now is a good time to mention, by the way, <laughs> uh, the next thing of this we're going to do, probably next week we'll do something sports related, a little bit lighter. But I think in two weeks, we're going to come back with our 100 favorite movies of this century so far. Yeah, so it's only from 2000 to 2016 and the reason for that of course is because Akiva's never seen a movie that was made before 1990 so correct (laughs) I've seen like 20 movies made before 1990 tops yeah so Back to the Future 1 Back to the Future 2 you said to me you said let's do a top 100 movies of all time and I said but Akiva you've never seen any movie that was made before right I could do it see I could do it from 1990 or the last 25 years something like that and the list would be maybe more interesting to have all the stuff from the late 90s but I just think it may be too arbitrary of a period. I don't know. If, if anyone has an opinion, if we they'd rather last, us do it from like... We can say last 20 years. We can say last 25 years. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah, we could do it because I, you know, I really started watching movies in, say, 93. Century is but also artificial. Last... It's, it's not as if there was some magical thing that happened in 2000 in the world of movies. You know, that's an artificial I know, I know, but I wonder if it's better. I think going back to, like, if we said of our lifetimes, which we were, born in, we were both born in 83... I just didn't see enough from like 83 to 91 to really. Yeah, and I, I would say I would support a longer timeline just because if you want me to get 100 movies on this list, I have like my favorite movies list, but it's like 20 deep. So if I got to get to Well, I already have my list. I mean, I have to move a couple things around, but I have yeah. my top 100 of the century. Yeah, list. that's why it's easy for you to admit. Like, that's like if I say, Artikiv, I want us to rank, uh, <laughs> I want us to have a podcast ranking the top 100 first basemen in the 19th century in um, the National League of the American Association. It's easy for me because I already have the list on my computer, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it'd be harder for hey, you to know, and for the listeners, okay. of course. All right, so that's enough about the Sopranos. Let's get to why I guess what would we call Mount Rushmore, even though I'd like to make room for Curb and the Sopranos on my Mount Rushmore. So, oh, Mount so, no, Rushmore but so, well, so when I brought up Citizen Kane, it was a point of saying, you know, if Citizen Kane came out tomorrow, would it win the Oscar for 2016 for Best Picture? Probably not. So The Sopranos also has to get credit for being the show that spearheaded this whole movement of mm-hmm. prestige drama. You know, it sure. was really the first show that like the first dramatic show not on the big three and the first dramatic show that really you know raised the level raised the stakes yeah i mean some people say like oz started it a little bit and then sopranos sort of like took the ball and ran even further with it yeah and and oz was in it but i mean oz was such a dark show obviously yes all right it was oz on your list uh no because i've never i've seen bits and pieces and it's always enjoyable those bits and pieces but Mm -hmm. i haven't gone through and watched it you know okay so now number four the Mount Rushmore. I, I do. I, I'm declaring my Mount Rushmore again is six. Sopranos curb, just like the real Mount Rushmore will soon have six. I think they're going to add Obama and Donald Trump. <laughs> Number four, The Wire. You, if you told me The Wire is the best TV show of all time, I'd probably agree with you. I do think it's the best TV show of all time. But again, this is my favorite uh, 100 shows, and I guess there's three shows I just liked more. 
Yeah. So, by the way, we both have Sopranos five. We both have The Wire four. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It looks. And I did my list first, so I guess your copying doesn't just go to critics; it also goes to <laughs> podcast co-hosts. Um. There's really very little to say about The Wire. You're a buffoon if you haven't watched it. I'm sorry to like really uh, rip on you if you haven't seen. You know some of these. Shows, I'm gonna go but... further. I'm gonna go further. You're a buffoon if you haven't watched the entire series twice. And I'll and I'll tell you why I say yeah. that. Because I and watched... also I, I I definitely intend to do a, a Wire rewatch, but I think it would. I'm not sure if I would do Sopranos or Wire first. Well, so I, I'll, this is this is my you know I got a lot of takes on the Wire. Obviously, when Breaking Bad was at its apex and people started to call Breaking Bad the best show ever or better than the Wire, that sort of caused a a lot of angst for for why you know for Jason Whitlock and, and Wire obsessives. Uh, the 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 point that Chuck Klosterman made in the favor of Breaking Bad was that you don't have to buy into a political set of beliefs. Who it was like Klosterman versus Jason Whitlock in a hot takeoff, right? Well, no, but but I think but Klosterman made a good point, which is that if you don't agree, you know, if you just now I think you're wrong, but if you don't agree with like the disastrous poli- drug policies in this country, you then you'll you won't be able to really enjoy The Wire because you're not going to buy into it. Whereas you don't have to buy into any political idea in Breaking Bad. The reason The Wire to me is so great, and oh, and so I, but I only have a number four. I don't have a number one, so I'll say the reason because TV is is. In entertainment media, right? This this goal this isn't the list of the most important TV shows of all time. Sure, if that was the list. I think The Wire might be number one. This is what shows. Yeah, we, I mean, you're you're really uh, you're giving short shrift to say by the Bell the College Years, but I that's hear true. That's true. Okay, fine. But so you know, it's 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 important. But does that mean we enjoyed it on a week to week basis? Now, again, we did. Of but course, you enjoyed show? it. Yeah, but did we enjoy it the most? Idiot. And I think we didn't. The the thing that I like the most about The Wire, and the reason it gets so much credit, and the only other comparable show is Game of Thrones, and and and, and it's something mm. that you especially pick up on a second viewing. The so worst from- episode of The Wire is better than the best episode of Game of Thrones. No, no, that's not true. Yeah, that's definitely not true. But um, but that the, the, comment was the red wedding of this podcast. Yeah, anyway. but okay. But the reason, the, what what I like so much about it is, I watched it for the first time. I started watching it with myself in law school, and then I joined it, and then my roommate joined me, and then we watched. We caught up live for seasons four and five. I think season three we watched live as well. And then I went ahead and I got married in two thousand and nine, and I said to my wife, "You really have to watch the yeah, show." Right. And we started watching it together in two thousand ten. It was her first viewing. My second viewing. And on the second viewing, I picked oh, up Oh, that so probably wasn't annoying for her at all. Watch what's going to happen. No, look up, Jen. Look at this scene. It's great. What, so what I like so much about The Wire is the fact, and, and even if this isn't 100% accurate, 100% true, I choose to believe that it is, which is that every single scintilla of The Wire was decided before they started the show as a whole. And again, I know, like I know Omar, for example, became a bigger character in response to the crowds. I know it's not 100% true, but in my head it's 100% true that they had the whole plan for five seasons drawn out and they designed the whole thing and that's how they were going to do it. And because they had the finish done before they started, it allowed the whole thing as a corpus to be so much more successful. The same way that Oh, I don't think that's true. I do also think that my one why regret is that he didn't do uh, like a Latino sixth season? Which he talked I know about he that. Considered. Yeah, he talked about yeah, which would have been book. incredible. Yeah, and he could really have just done a whole other show. Well, see, uh, I, did you watch Show Me a Hero? No, which a lot of people recommend it. I, I bet I would watch it. and It's great, but there's only so much time in the day, and yeah. I got to do these podcasts with you. You got to take naps. But anyways, yeah, but sure. what? I, but what I mean by that is the, where TV has a disadvantage compared to a book, or compared to a movie, mm-hmm. is that when you write a book, you don't publish it. Until you finish the whole book. So you can go back and edit chapter one based on what you write in chapter 30. And mm-hmm. TV shows are dynamic, but that also means that there might not be complete cohesion all the way through. Yeah. Right? Well, hold that thought for one of the my top three shows because yeah. that's definitely well, but, something but, worth discussing. But, 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 and so that's what – so when I did my rewatch of The Wire, I would see that there would be a one – like a 30-second scene in season two of The Wire with just somebody walking through the room 
who you th- who has nothing to do with the show, and in season yeah. four has an entire episode about her. And they would just totally. do things like that over and over, which is why the second viewing you appreciate it even more than the first. And when you talk you- about enjoyability, like the four, what, what are your season rankings, by the way, first before you? like the season four with the kids, you are really enjoying it and looking forward to it, and you're like living and dying with the kids and devastated. Season four is most people's favorite. My favorite is season three. the The relationship okay. between Avon and and Stringer to me that's the mm-hmm. peak. I'm a, I'm a season two apologist also. I loved season two. Oh, season, I, yeah, season two haters. I, I can't. The fact that they went away. The fact that this show, which it's not like it was a critically, it's not like it was a show that had tons of viewers and could afford to do this. They leave season one. Like, hey, we have totally we have a star, we have a clear two. star of the show. What if we never showed him in this entire season? Never showed anybody. Completely new characters in season two, and yet it was still so good. I thought the worst season. We all agree by far. Season five, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's still amazing, but yeah, season five is definitely the worst season. Well, I just think the problem is David Simon had an axe to grind with the Baltimore Sun, and he was he was not able to be objective in his. I mean, he the reason that people love the Wire is because there's no such thing as a good guy or a bad guy. Everybody has a mix of sort of their personality, like in real life. Even if whether you're a murderer, a, a drug dealer, a gangster, a policeman, a judge, a lawyer, everybody had good and bad. Until you get to season five, when the only people who are pure evil and pure good are all in the newspaper office, where you have a couple of reporters and editors who are just purely evil, they have no redeeming characteristics whatsoever, and then you have a couple guys who are purely good, who are obviously David Simon representing himself, and, and also they had the preposterous uh, serial killer. They just yeah. Season five went off the rails, unfortunately. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. but it ended well, and it's still the wire. Yeah. So uh, no and so, Game really of Thrones is the same because Game of Thrones knows exactly where it's ending. You know, Lost didn't really know where it was ending necessarily when it started, or maybe it did. I don't know, but it didn't seem like it did. Game of Thrones, like the Wire, because it's already been written by George R. R. Martin. Even if some of the details get filled in along the way, they know where they're going, and that's what makes it all the better because the whole thing has a narrative arc directly. Breaking Bad did not have that. Breaking Bad sort of switched directions a lot based on you know. The, 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 you know, the increased attention it got from, from, from viewers and, and critics alike. So to me, that's why I have The Wire ahead of, you know, Sopranos and Breaking Bad, I think. Okay. All right. Number three. Yeah. Uh, this show did way better than it would do on any other list just because of the demographics of our listeners. Uh, highly intelligent and very good looking. Those are demographics. <laughs> Number three is Survivor. It's the best looking show on television. It's probably nowadays the best edited show on television. It's in season 32, and uh, if you're really a uh, neophyte to the show, that's uh, 16 years because they do two seasons a year, and uh, it's going just as strong as ever. In fact, in certain ways, although it's not the number one show on television like it was in 2001, it is defying time and getting more popular, and when it's on a Wednesday night, it's the most watched show on television. In season 32, you'd think like, well, what more could I see 32 seasons in where they've done everything, but... Really, every season stands alone uh, is very original. And you'd say, like, this is a show that's a reality television show, which are notoriously hard for rewatching. Netflix hates reality TV because they required a lot of it at the beginning, I think, and they did very poorly. Nobody's going back and watching the Kardashians. Nobody's really binging any of the real Housewives shows or anything of that ilk. But Survivor is basically a, it, you know, even though it's in the reality TV genre, it's essentially like a sport with a with almost like a, a mystery style, like who's going to win, and you're watching the show and trying to figure out in every episode who's going to win. You know, I could yeah, I could talk about Survivor all day. You actually did see the first season of Survivor, right? Yeah, I mean, season one everybody saw with with the old yeah, guy and with saw, the fat um, the fat naked guy. Yes, Richard Hatch. But uh, you know, 
I, I, I can't recommend enough for anyone who listens. And I imagine a lot of our listeners just because. So, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So this podcast started and then especially I think in the last couple of months, both because the NFL season ended and because of your sort of increased role in the rehab world, a big chunk of our listeners have come from that world. So in other words, there's a whole podcast network set up specifically around people who like Survivor. Within who that, like reality television, but primarily well, Survivor. But, that's but fair. primarily Survivor. Mm-hmm. And they are podcast listeners for that specific purpose. Within that Correct. is a further subset of people who like Survivor, but also like Seinfeld, and that's why they're listening to your Seinfeld podcast. And mm-hmm. that is the yeah. crowd that has drawn a number of our listeners. So obviously, when we do our listener cumulative rankings, there's going to be a bias in favor of Seinfeld and Survivor for that obvious reason. Now, there's a bias in term in favor of one other show, which we'll get and to. And oddly, the is, Cosby show. I'm not sure why that's yeah. the third show that really had. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, so our listeners obviously more in favor of Survivor than, you know, like critics at large are, for example. Sure. But, um, yeah, you know, but obviously people who love Survivor think it's a great show, and, and I ha- I, I'm yeah. not one of those people, so I can't, I can't criticize it. I just can't comment. Sure. Right, but it is interesting. Like, even you see on the show's Reddit every day, like, this, you know, you think it's impenetrable. There's 14 episodes a year. There's been 32 seasons, but people rewatch it like they, you know, like yeah, like it blows my mind that you have a number three because even if you love it, I'm like, but you know, but then again, I, I obsess over Game of Thrones the way that a lot of people, you know, in the Rehab Network obsess over Survivor. So, sure, there's a judgment free zone here. Okay, number two, we have a That's tie. That's not true. You called people morons and idiots like 10 minutes ago. Well, I said if they don't watch a show, they're morons and idiots. Yeah, so it's a judgment free, except that you judge people who disagree with you. <laughs> no, All right, number I, two. I, I love everyone. Anyone number who's th- listening to the show an hour into part three or whatever we are, I love them. All right, let's hear number two on your list. All right, so I have a tie at number two. Wait, what? Between, well, listen, I got to throw you some curveballs, uh, Chester. But you can't have a tie at number two because then by definition, number three isn't number three. It's number four. Well, you'll see in, you'll see in a second. Well, it's 2A and 2B. All right. <laughs> I mean, if this was The Office, UK and US would be acceptable. You're, I'm about to get really annoyed with you, I'm afraid. Let's hear. Oh, I know you are. Yeah. Okay, so we have a tie between Lost. Yeah. That's 2A. And then 2B is uh, the longest running weekly episodic television show in history, Monday Night Raw. <laughs> okay, so it's really lost. Yeah, no, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Uh, what, <laughs> Superfan Robbie wrote in and said that I should just come in and really su- annoy you by ranking ranking that as uh, as my number one and just right, okay. ending the so podcast right there. You love Lost. So I've, I've heard you do it a hundred times, but go, go on. Tell us why Lost is the greatest show ever. Well, it's the second greatest show ever because I ranked okay. it at number two. Okay. At its absolute apex, I liked Lost more than I liked my number one show. What a great mystery that it is. More than I liked Survivor, more than I liked The Wire, The Sopranos, or anything else. The amount that you feel in the season one finale, when Walt gets taken off the boat, the thing is we need the boy, and the curiosity level you have for what is ultimately the hatch, or what's in the hatch, I guess, the level that you care about the main characters especially in season one, but certainly all the way until season four, is unmatched in any show. At, after the season one finale, that night, I would have, to, you know, it's May, and then, then season two doesn't premiere till September. I would have paid $10,000 to be able to watch the season two premiere that night. You know, you can't even explain, like, how desperate you were for information. And I'm not the type of guy, like you are with Game of Thrones, who would generally, for a show, go on and seek tons of info, other than maybe Survivor. I would, I would seek out lost information, and I loved, like, I would have, like, lists of questions, like, here are the unanswered questions, and, you know, what, and, uh, what, like, theories and crazy theories, and so much of it was, like, above my head and was so out there. And when you talk about The Wire and how David Simon knew exactly what he was doing from day one, they, it was very clear during the show, and now it's even more clear, that Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse had no 
idea what they were doing and they would just create more and more mysteries without necessarily knowing what the answer was um, and really without having a plan to a far greater degree than we realized at the time that Damon has, has admitted now that they were really going by the seat of their pants. And again, they filmed the most expensive television pilot at the time ever and then sort of raised all these uh, mysteries in episode one and then after the pilot in a lot of early episodes, there's no way they had time to sit and really analyze the mythology of the show when they were actually making the show. My problem with the show, and again, it's ranked number two, so I'm nitpicking, but my problem with the show is that they made it seem like this is a show where like we ask questions and we raise these great mysteries and then we solve them. And they really never had any intention of solving the mysteries, but they didn't say that. And I think had they said that, even more viewers would have fled the show, including, who knows, maybe me. But they were, I do think they were dishonest about it. You can't really defend the finale in the sense that they didn't answer nearly enough questions. You know, and, just, and when I say finale, I don't just mean the final episode, but just in general, the sixth season. Um, it makes me mad just thinking about it. I love the show more than I'll ever love a TV show in my life, but there, it, is a, it is a deeply flawed show. But its, its peak was so much higher than any of these other 99 shows that it, I, it's rightfully the number two show of all time. All right. Um, I watched season one of Lost. At the very end of the finale of season one, we see the hatch. And as soon as I saw that, I said, I'm out. Because, as Why? I said, I'm not... Because I, I'm not interested in fantasy. Like, you know, it was no fantasy. Ob, it was ob, freaking like ob, basement. Obviously, in hindsight, they obvi- it obviously had to be a magical island because the idea that a plane cracks in half and half people survive is impossible. So obviously, there was a magical element from the beginning. But once that was introduced explicitly, I decided I wasn't interested because I thought the this was... wasn't magical, though. The fact that it existed meant that... It, well, okay, so let me, put, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put this another way, and it'll actually lead to the other question I want to ask you, which is, when this show first airs in season one, Mm-hmm. The way that it's portrayed in the popular media, at least before people really know a lot more about it, is, hey, there's that really popular show Survivor. Here's a dramatic version of that because it's a bunch of people sure. on an island. They have to survive. The reason I bring that up is because other than that sort of initial description, I don't think there's really any comparison between Survivor and Lost. However, and this is where it gets interesting, there is a cor- – at least based on the small sample size of our 30-plus rankers, there's a strong correlation between Survivor and Lost. Overall, neither one of those shows appears on the on sort of general critics' top lists. Lost had a you know had potential to be there much earlier on, but as the last couple seasons sort of devolved, it fell off those lists. Uh, you know, much to your chagrin. And Survivor again appreciated for its unique role in introducing a new form of television, but again, not not on those lists. However, for our rankers, there's such a strong correlation that overall, our listeners. And and we'll you know we'll we'll say exactly where every show is ranked when we get there. But Lost is on ten lists out of the thirty plus people who responded. Eight of those ten people are people who also have Survivor on their list, and Survivor is on sixteen lists. So more than half the people who have Survivor also have Lost, versus two out of like twenty versus like ten percent of the people who don't have Survivor don't have Lost. So there seems to be a very strong correlation between people who love Survivor and people who love Lost. So tell me why do you think that is? I asked people, I think I asked Rob, I asked Mike Bloom. I, I think ultimately they were, like Mike Bloom said, he was drawn in by the concept and then he stayed for the characters and the mystery. Oh, so so, so there was actually that reason. Okay. Yes. I That's do fair. think that whatever appeals to me in Survivor to, start, to, to have started watching it, when I saw the preview, and again, this is a network drama, on my list of 100 shows, there are very few network dramas. 24 
was somewhat up there. But other than that, there's like way down the list, ER and Prison Break, and I think that's it. So I'm not a type. Of, I'm not the guy who what watches. A snob. What a snob! Not the type of guy who watches any network dramas. I think the practice was on the list, also, but that's really it. Snob. Um, the I, I just saw like oh, there's an island, and just there's endless possibilities. What would you do if you're stranded on an island? Of course, they didn't really give an indication that there would be sci-fi. I'm not a sci-fi guy, uh, you know, at all. I've never seen Star Wars. I've never seen Star Trek. Uh, I don't even like superhero movies. I but so I maybe I would never. I probably if they said, "Oh, this is a magical island," I probably would have never watched the show. And of course, I would have been much happier with zero or at least very little magical elements. Certainly, no time hopping or any of that. But you Question. know, the you show was what it was. You talk about the appeal of the concept. Is it that you already loved Survivor, or did you already like the concept? Like, did you like the Adventures of Robinson Crusoe as a kid? Did you ever? Read no. It? Not at all. Swiss Family Robinson. I don't even like the the ride in Disney World. It's like the worst ride. Swiss Family Robinson. What about that movie Tom Hanks with Wilson the Ball? What's that movie called? Uh, you know, I've only seen Cast like away? parts of it on cable. Cast Away. Okay, so it's not that you were always obsessed with this topic. It's that Survivor was so good that it drew your interest to Lost. I think so. By the way, Adventures of Robinson Crusoe was one of my favorite books as a kid. Interesting. It, it was like a weird time for Survivor. It's like right after, I Joe guys called it the post-Rob era. It's like right after... All stars, like in the second era of the show, like that it's it's now like no longer the number one or two show on television by 2004 when Lost comes on, but it was like still in the sweet spot where it's like you know people still loved it enough to check out this show, whereas if it had come a few years later, people might not have been interested. It's also Lost spawned like ten wannabe Lost that none of them lasted even more than a season. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't. So I mean, I did watch the entire first season, but I'm surprised you didn't want me to watch season two of this. Of Lost, genius. Yeah. No, no. First of all, I wouldn't make you watch a show you've already seen because you made the decision on your own. So same with me and you, me with you with Mad Men. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you can't make me watch Mad Men because I've already seen it. All right. All right. So I was surprised by your love for Lost, but it's respectable. What's the number one show of all time? This is a big surprise. Number one, yeah, there's a lot of lot of debate. I was choosing between uh, Who's the Boss and Will and Grace and Boss in Common, but ultimately I came up with a different sitcom. Number one is Seinfeld. There's really nothing to say. Talk about it for two hours a week, <laughs> so I really don't have much more to say uh, about this show that I've done 105 podcasts about already. I love Seinfeld. Uh, definitely the most important show uh, of my lifetime, not just for me, but for anyone. Sitting bored in synagogue one day, and nothing to read. I was a little kid. It was a holiday prayer service. It was very long. And from the heavens, next to me in a shelf, is someone had printed out, and it probably took 20 minutes to print a single page off the internet in whatever year this was, season four, season five, season six, I don't remember, is uh, a uh, episode guide from Seinfeld, which, like, the idea of an episode guide was very, very new then, you know, in the mid-'90s in Hammer Time. Uh, and I and I was like, oh, this is great. And I'd already seen the show, but I, I was able now to like sit and rank every episode from one to ten. You know, the episodes I'd already seen, and now for new episodes, I would like add to this episode guide, which unfortunately I've lost. My mom threw out all my stuff. I don't know if you were you're like this too, but like I had like a great Seinfeld shirt. I had like a lot of like you know th- just like random things in my room uh, that I would love to still have. My mom I had a sweatshirt like a- of the Kramer, you know, like the painting. By yes. Catherine Keener, and I sold yeah. it at camp to some to to Mayor Cohn. I remember I sold it to this kid Mayor. Does Cohn. Does he still have it? I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in a long you time. You should ask him. I, you should buy back from him. Yeah, he's he was he was one of three. There were triplets, um, and I sold. There was Mayor, three Mayor Cones. 
No, there was Mayor, Ellie, and Bossy was the girl. The girl coach. Great story. Anyway, yeah. ask him if he still has the sweatshirt. You'll buy it back for him. Um, so not just Seinfeld stuff. Like, were you, uh, like, would you have to throw stuff out? Like, my family's the opposite of pack rats. Like, we just throw everything out. So, you know, I moved out of my parents' home in 1997 when I was a wee boy of 14, and I've never lived at home since then. And every time I've you come moved home... moved out like they made you move out, or the authorities came and removed you from the home? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, I went to high school. I went to a boarding school out of town. And every yeah, He single, was a troublemaker. They yeah, had every, <laughs> every single vacation... <laughs> every single time I've come small home... small town of Minneapolis. Yeah, every single time I've come home in the last 18 years, my dad says, all right, you got to get rid of all the crap in your room. And, and I never really have. So yeah, my uh, mom did that too. But then she's like, "Oh, this time if you don't do it, I'm throwing out all your baseball cards." Well, God actually for- did this himself because God sent a flood to our basement, which ruined, among other things, you know, my my card collection, which you know I thought was worth several thousand dollars, and that was quite upsetting because I had all, I had my my you know this is like the classical story. My dad he gave all his baseball cards when he was 17, 18, going away to college sure, to some local kid did. in the neighborhood who yeah. later became a millionaire. Not because of the not because of the cards, but you know, probably didn't hurt. But he saved his football cards. Now football cards have way, way, way less value than baseball cards, obviously. But I do have well, all I my dad's less people kept them. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but there's also less demand. So I have all my dad's old football cards, you know, which is rookies of John Unitas and Jim Brown and stuff like that from the fifties oh, cool. and sixties. And I remember um at the eight and you know, when I was in junior high and I was obsessed with cards, the Apex was in 1996 when Jack Kemp was running for president for vice president with with Bob Dole, and my Jack Kemp rookie card skyrocketed. According to Beckett, my uh, my Jack Kemp card, which had been like a hundred bucks, all of a sudden became worth like five hundred, and so at, that was the point in my life in eighth grade or well, I would have been in seventh grade, I guess, in the fall of '96. Oh no, I was in eighth grade. I got really into like I ranked all my cards in terms of value and I put them in special sleeves and all that kind of stuff, and then they got ruined by the flood. So now I have soggy old cards sitting somewhere in my room, I think, unless they were thrown out. I don't know. But if you're interested in buying a football cards from 1959 let me know i think i think ebay is probably a better option yeah all right so obviously i can't disagree with seinfeld let me let me go through my top 10 list and then i think we'll we'll turn to sort of the, the media the critics and then we'll we'll turn to some of our listeners so my top 10 list number 10 it's always sunny in philadelphia we already discussed in last week's episode it was seinfeld for sort of half generation the next like we're not a full generation but the next half generation it's always um, sunny is number 10 on your list wow that's very high yeah well, I don't. Again, I think the early scenes of the show were so good. It was such a quotable show, such a funny show. You know, that that's we've already discussed it. Number nine is The Simpsons. Any ranking for The Simpsons outside the top three or four is too low. Obviously, you ranked at thirty-four, which is absurd. The Simpsons define television in so many ways, even more than Seinfeld. I think that a thousand years from now, when they look back at TV from every era, the the set like the eighties, nineties, whatever, will be The Simpsons. If you have to choose one show, that's the show they will choose. The Simpsons just revolutionized TV in so many ways. The fact that it's still producing live episodes every single week, twenty years later, is incredible and insane, and is is a merit, not a demerit, as you foolishly put it. So I only put this at number nine because I don't really ever rewatch The Simpsons now. But I'm sure if I did, I would love it. You know, Drew McGarry still, you know, quotes The Simpsons at the end of every single, you know, NFL preview column that he writes every week. Having it at 34, like you do, is definitely wrong. Yeah, but you haven't seen hundreds of episodes of the show. If it was so great, you would need to watch every episode. No, because the first 10 seasons are standalone, one of the all-time great shows. The fact that it's stuck around for another 15 years is, if anything, a credit, not a discredit. At worst, it's neutral. You can't punish it for that. It's crazy. If you love the first 10 seasons enough... Who doesn't love the first 10 seasons, though? That's okay, what I'm if you love them enough, you would still want to watch every episode now, or at least some episodes now. No, because that's not true. If Seinfeld had stuck around in 1998 and was still going strong in 2016, at some point we would have quit it, probably, because the quality wouldn't have been there. 
And, and by the way, the quality might still be good for The Simpsons. I don't know. There's just so many more things out there now. A hundred years, a thousand years from now, when they're like giving like the defining show from each era, I think like the last 15, 20 years of the 20th century, the show they'll pick is The Simpsons over mm-hmm. Seinfeld, over ER. What podcast do you think they'll pick? I think Doughboys. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you you're way too low, obviously, on The Simpsons. The Simpsons has to be in anybody's Hall of Fame, and okay. it's not. Then there's something. I like how you put the channel on your list. Now I'm I'm opening up your list. You put the channel next to every show. I, I'm not sure why, but whatever. Oh, well, I'll tell you why. Because the same reason that when I do rankings of let's say players, I'll also list the categories like their position, their team. So if you want to rank by show, so what's like the, what's the third best show on Fox ever? Things like that. Oh yeah, because that's a question that's going to come up a lot. Wait, I have, I have a question. Have I ever yeah. asked you the channel, the channel question, like the desert island channel question? You're yeah. strand, you're stranded for the rest of your life on a desert island. You could watch any, you could have any five channels, and also write in and, and, and tweet at us and let us know your uh, your answer to this. Which five channels do you pick? So that's a good segue into the next two shows on my rankings. Actually, okay. Do I want to answer you first? Okay, I, I, I will say ESPN. Okay. CNN, I guess, because although do I care about the news if I'm stranded on an island? I feel like if anything big, if something really big happens, you'll hear about it on ESPN. On ESPN, yeah. And I'll say I'll say ESPN and CNN, and then HBO. That's three. Probably Comedy Central is four. Mm-hmm. Can I count like Netflix or no? No, that's absurd. Okay. <laughs> so then, I'll, uh, my fifth, I guess, out of loyalty to history, I would say NBC. Even though I haven't, I don't care. Well, about I, NBC if you say now. if you say Netflix, it's only original Netflix shows. You don't have the whole. Yeah. But do I get all like catalog. their stand up specials and? Good question. All right, no. fine. So that's my that's my five. What was the fifth one you said? NBC. I haven't watched anything on NBC in the. But least then five you don't years, need but... CNN if you if you're picking NBC. Oh, because I got the news also. You have the news. Oh, so that so strategically, yeah, you pick a network, you get the news also. That's a good yes. point. Yeah. And local. I don't know which local you get. You get your own island news, I guess, is the local news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only get, you know, ESPN covers, in terms of live sports events, I guess I would say... Well, shouldn't you take Fox? Don't you want to watch the Vikings games? Yeah, yeah, that's something. I'm thinking probably Fox for that reason. But now, here, here, now let me ask you a question. Now, you haven't taken... You took Fox and NBC, but let's say CBS has the Super Bowl... And the yeah. Vikings are in the Super Bowl. You can't watch the Vikings in the Super Bowl on your desk. So Island. I have to take every network that could possibly. That's the question. If you love football, you really have to take all three networks. Yeah. Well, no, because as we've discussed before, I don't really care about the Super Bowl in season. I know, the but it's just your luck. You're going to be chance. stranded on yeah. a desert island, and, and the, the Vikings, Vikings are, are going to be the Super Bowl. Bowl I can't even watch because it's on so, CBS. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a risk. You're willing to take that. You're willing to take that risk. The reason I thought that's a good segue into the next two shows on my list is because the next two shows on my list, and I, I know a lot of people automatically didn't include daily shows. Like, I think you didn't either. So, you know, you don't include Conan or, or I mean, you, we include SNL, which is once a week, but you don't include any of, the, of the, the evening shows, the talk shows. So you don't have Conan and you don't have, you know, Jay, Jay Leno, David Letterman, et cetera. You I, don't, have I also, don't not have Jay Leno because it's a daily no, I show. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay. The point is, I have number eight is the Colbert Report and number seven is the Daily Show. To me, those are two Hall of Fame shows. Those are also, like it or not, the primary news source for a huge chunk of our generation. And when I say like it or not, it should be more like it than not because, you know, the same studies showed that in terms of knowledge of issues, people who watched those shows had higher knowledge of the issues than people who watch CNN or Fox especially where people have – now, that might not be because of the show. Obviously, people who watch the shows tend to be engaged on other issues as well. But the point is that these shows could provide a nightly recap of everything important going on in the world in addition to 
having funny bits, historically great bits. Obviously, the body of if you're sifting through such a huge, such a larger number, like even more than SNL, because there's thousands of this show. But I think if you took the top 10 bits from The Daily Show, they're as good or better. They belong in the same list as the top 10 all-time bits of SNL or Chappelle Show or, or any other sketch show. Colbert Report, I have one spot below The Daily Show because you know it wasn't as varied. It didn't have as long a run, although there were a couple of seasons where I thought it was even better than The Daily Show. But obviously, Jon Stewart had to leave eventually because he got tired out. But to me, these are both Hall of Fame shows. These were both absolutely must-watch-every-single-night must shows. Okay. I, I got nothing to say. Good or bad. Ridiculous rank. Just totally ridiculous rankings. Do you have any opinion on those two shows? Yeah, they shouldn't be in your top ten all-time shows. They're they're not even television shows in the same way that, like... That... So you're just defining the terms differently. Sure. That's fine. Everybody... Yeah, and everybody defines the show... You know, some people... How are these shows show eligible, some... but, like... But the People vs. O.J. Simpson was not eligible for your list. Because that's, that, that's not a TV show. That's a miniseries. It came and went. It's ten episodes in a vacuum and gone. So, Daily Show was like 5,000 episodes in a vacuum, and it went. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that, so that, that, those I have at 8 and 7 on my list. You have now to be we able to binge list. these shows for it to be. Like, that's why you don't put Monday Night Raw in. You don't put SportsCenter in. Nobody's going to binge 32 seasons of Survivor. That's insane. Uh, go on Survivor Reddit. People binge 32 seasons of Survivor every day. Yes. There's a Reddit of people who binge everything. Like, there's, there's anything so then, that could... No, no there's anything not. Anything that exists in the world. Because there's no there's Reddit of people who binge the Colbert Report. Because those would be... I'm willing to bet on that. Do you want to bet that I can find someone on the internet who has binged Colbert Report? Yes. And by the way, I... I Put that on, down as our bet for the I, week. Yes. I, I remember I, I, w- I went on a bachelor party to Las Vegas, and you can tell the uh, the, the cool dudes that we were at this bachelor party. Oh, no. Party. I'm and- already <laughs> nervous. I'm bracing for the story. Uh, 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 it's uh, it's one of our Jets fans, Avsenetsky, who <laughs> brought on this bachelor party like to watch in the room. Wait, whose bachelor DVDs. party is it? It's Avs? No, it was Rafi Rossman. Okay. And um, it was Rossman's bachelor party, and Sanitsky brought with him the dish. <laughs> By the way, super fan Ravi is going to love this as a reason to hate Because well, uh, he, he hates everyone in this story. Okay, keep going. Yeah. He brought um, – yeah, including John Stewart. He brought all the DVDs from the John Stewart show from 2004 from, like, the election. Uh-huh. And he was just watching – and this was in this was in the summer of 2005. So a year later, he was just watching episodes of The Daily Show from a year before. I don't even understand that story. <laughs> I guess it was a gag. Ah, that's a funny gag. Anyway, that doesn't even okay, make so sense now, to me. I love now it. Now we get into my inner circle Hall of Fame. These well, are the how six wild? Shows. How wild was that uh, bachelor party? <laughs> Not that wild. <laughs> Spill the details here. Uh, we got a free ticket to. Um, uh, whatever. I'm not putting any of this on the podcast, so it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're leaving out the best story? Okay, fine. All right, wait. This is breaking. Uh, we have a breaking story for the podcast. Someone just tweeted at me. A listener of the podcast tweeted at me and said that they are in a fantasy baseball league. It's an 18-team dynasty league. They were researching a player in the league, Trevor Pluff, and or Ploof. And Ploof. so they, they went to an article about Trevor Ploof, and naturally, the first... Very long, very dorky comment on the article <laughs> was from Alexander Chester <laughs> on this random Trevor Plouffe article. There's, there's <laughs> Alex Chester making his comment. Anywhere you go on the internet, there's Chester making a nerdy comment. You can't get away from it. Okay, so first of all, I just see that tweet. He's, um, he, it's AaronGleeman.com. I've spoken about Aaron Gleeman on this podcast before. I'm mm-hmm. a big Aaron Gleeman listener. Yeah, it's just it's a funny coincidence that he happens to like. I'm yeah. sure if he went to you know any website, he'd see. You. I've had people email me that before where they're on random websites. And <laughs> all right, number six, and I need a good uh, bachelor. The, the all of the final six, I need a good uh, like bachelor party story to go with them. 
Okay, so yeah, so the, the six are my inner circle Hall of Fame. So I guess if I was making a Mount Rushmore of TV, I put six shows on the list. Mm-hmm. Number six, Breaking Bad. We didn't talk about Breaking Bad last week because you don't even have it in the top ten, which is ludicrous. The thing about Breaking Bad is, to me, it was two very different shows. The first three seasons, which a lot of people didn't like, I really liked the first three seasons. It was a much slower paced show, yeah. and really what it was to me, I thought, you know, you call me an elitist who you know lives in New York and looks down on everybody, etc. Mm-hmm. It was a very good sort of expose of the lower middle class in the middle of the country, I thought. Mm-hmm. Not that you have any idea about the lower middle class, but for <laughs> your your television perception of the lower middle class. No, but I thought it was people who aren't usually shown on our TVs and we got to see their life. Now, the funny thing, by the way, is I was reading this article. The reason Breaking Bad could not translate overseas the way a lot of other top American shows are is because the whole idea that somebody gets cancer and they can't financially pay for it was so foreign to every other Western country. Like I remember like reading like in England, they said, the show makes no sense. You have cancer. It's covered by the National Health Service because that's how Western rich dem- democracies work. So the idea that you couldn't afford, you know, you'd have to sell drugs because you have cancer, just it, it was it made no logical sense. And so that was like a barrier that for yeah. the show to come Thanks, over Obama. in the rest of the world. So so that was the first three seasons of the show. And then in season four, it went into hyperdrive and then obviously became much more popular with the critics. Really well done. I thought that the penultimate season was the greatest season of television show history. Oh, if we're oh, ranking boy. seasons. Okay. The season was so, so good. My problem is that everything just worked out a little too well in season four. Like, like for example, there's the scene in the flashback where uh, – what's his name? The, the guy who looks like Obama in the show. Now I'm Tuc- forgetting things. Tuco. No, not Tuco. The guy who runs the, 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 guy who runs I don't... the, the chickens. The chicken restaurants. The, like the head bad guy who gets exploded with you know half his face falls off. Okay. Come on. What's yeah, it's your favorite show, but you don't know the guy's name. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that guy, when they do the flashback where he goes back down into Mexico and where he like he he and he swallows the pill and he shoots his way out, like that that doesn't work. That works maybe one out of a thousand times, but in the show it works perfectly. So I thought there was a little bit too like convenient how as the show became grander and grander, it became a little bit ridiculous, but it made up for it. The final two seasons were just awe inspiring, incredible. Season four was sort of a dip for me, but but it got better in seasons five and six. All time great show. Not much more you can say about it, but it's a little step behind the other ones. Number five is Sopranos, which we already discussed. Number four is The Wire, which we already discussed. Number three is Curb. Again, Curb versus Seinfeld is an interesting debate, um, but ultimately, you know, you, you can't say that the son is better than the father because the son only comes because of the father. Um, mm-hmm. Although I will say that rewatching Seinfeld. In the but you told me, universe, it's weird you say that because you told me. Like right before this podcast, that George H. W. Bush is the second best president of all time, <laughs> but you thought that George W. was number one. So it's weird that you think that the son doesn't built come on for his father's the... legacy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I think would you agree that rewatching Seinfeld in a post curb universe gives you a different perspective when you see Larry David's behavior? Sure. George yeah. Costanza? Of course. Yeah. Uh, totally. It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Great. All right. Number two on my list: Game of Thrones. This was has moved up and up and up with every season, and by the time it's all said and done, heresy of heresies might be number one. This, this, I mean, just stupidity of stupidity. That's absurd. Yeah, my, my love, of, my love of Game of Thrones has been expressed oh enough. My God. Number one, obviously, Seinfeld. Ultimately, it's more rewatchable than anything else. It's more quotable than everything else. It, you know, I started watching it as a little kid. You know, living in the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, and then I ended up coming and living in the very place where the show took place. So now I can send nerdy comments to your podcast complaining about how, well, actually, the avenue on the street view doesn't represent any of the avenues on Ampro West Side because the sidewalk is too narrow. Yeah, so I love Seinfeld, obviously. So we're going to get to our listeners. But first, let's just talk about sort of the media lists for a second, Akiva. Okay. I hate the media. I hate the media lists. Is it this is your this is like the lamestream media list? This is like the Louis C.K. Sarah Palin media. No, these are, so these are top critics. You know, IMDb, Entertainment Weekly, 
True Hollywood Reporter, TV Guide, etc. And I included links and anywhere anywhere on the internet that I could find a list that went at least fifty deep. Except the vul- except the vulture list, which has validates all my points, but you refuse to include it. It's not a list, first of all. It, it has to. It's be, a okay, bracket. I, 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 it's a bunch of yeah, people bra- said this is what we're going to include. Yeah, but it's a bracket of only a segment of television. I'm talking about all-time television, right? We have to include shows from before or five years ago. We have to include shows that aren't just dramas, right? We want dramas, comedies, shows from this decade, shows from the 80s, 90s, 70s, 60s, 50s, etc. So yeah, lists that said here's the best shows in the 90s or here's the best dramas of the current era, you know, like Alan Sepulveda's book, those don't help the overall rankings, mm-hmm. right? In terms of the ranking, you can cite, you know, points that they make. Anyway, so that was the initial list of media rankings I made. Then I expanded it when we when we decided to do our top 10s into anywhere on the internet where I could find a top 10 list from a, you know, a legitimate news source. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I'll point out about... so, But I think that the all-time list, the media list, is really representative of what most critics say, which is the number one show of all time is The Sopranos. And it's not even close. Sopranos is the only... I have 10 votes total. And by the way, just so you know, because we're the co-hosts of this podcast, I triple counted our votes. So I counted our votes both in the media cumulative rankings and I counted our votes in the listener cumulative rankings. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's so, absurd, but okay. Okay, so so in other words, so I have eight media top ten lists plus you and me is ten. All ten people rank the Sopranos in the top ten. No other show does that. So the, the the Sopranos by complete consensus is the greatest TV show of all time. Everybody has it at the top ten. Three people have it number one overall. Somebody else has it number two overall. So you and I have it at fifth. But the Sopranos by media by critic consensus is the greatest television show in history. Number two, Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld again. It gets a slight bump because we both have it number one. Um, but Seinfeld also, by a pretty fair margin, is number two, although a couple people leave it off all its list altogether. Number three, the only show, you know, as I said, Sopranos is on all ten lists. The The Wire is number three, and it's on eight lists. It's, it's on the next most number of lists. Uh, the Wire, the third best show of all time. Breaking Bad is number four. Part of the, I think Breaking Bad might go a little higher if this list was redone today, because I include three lists. The, three of these rankings are from 2013, so Breaking Bad was still in the middle of its run. And mm-hmm. of those three lists, two of them don't list Breaking Bad at all. So if they list Breaking Bad anywhere, it goes up to number three, ahead okay. of The Wire. Uh, number five, The Simpsons. I have it at ninth. You don't have it ranked at all, but everybody else you know, makes up for our, our errors in its ways. You, you can't have an all-time great TV show's list without The Simpsons and Akiva Dozen. All right, number six is Game of Thrones. Again, this list was made mostly by people in 2013, so Game of Thrones right. is in now the Now it would be even lists. lower. It would probably be like 40. Okay, yeah. keep going. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, number seven is MASH, You know, the first show from really before our era, and the rest of this top ten is MASH, All in the Family, The Twilight Zone, Mary Tyler Moore, I Love Lucy. That's seven through 11 on this list. Neither one of us have any of those shows in our top ten. Then you get to Mad Men, Curb, Friends. So now let's get to our listeners. Yeah. So uh, you know, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We'll, we'll give you each a shout-out and maybe a, a brief idea or two about your list. Michael Clark, who had submitted in the very beginning, he has Jeopardy at number 10 and Frasier at number 11. Did you have any other thoughts about Michael's list? Yeah, I like he put All in the Family in the top 10. I feel like he's too young to have watched All in the Family. I guess he like binged on Netflix or something. And I love that he had Sesame Street at 14 and Mr. Rogers at 91. I feel like that's real shade being thrown at Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I like Mr. Rogers more. But Sesame Street has, you know, now Sesame Street's on HBO, so we can really get dirty. All right, next we got Jim Crumley, right? Yes. Jim, Jim Crumley, he's got NYPD Blue at number eight, and he's got Babylon 5 at number 10. I don't, what's Babylon 5? I've heard of it, but it, it, it's like a Star trek show. I'm not I don't sure. I watched it. Babylon 1 through 4. I gave up at 5. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> All right. And he, yeah, he, had, uh, he put the NFL Today as a 61st favorite show. Like the old, I think he said the old school Brent Mossberger one or something. No love yeah. for, uh, for his uh, podcast host, uh, Kiwi, and, and Football Night in America. I feel like that should have been on. That should have been. That's the only show that's actually paid me. So that technically should be number one on my list. 
Yeah. It's the only show that you've ever gotten a check from. Sure. That's right. All right. Um, next, we have A.B. Sutton. So A.B. Sutton, by the way, and, and a lot of people did this. They give explanations. Like A.B. Sutton said, he didn't include nightly shows so that you're not going to daily show or, or – um, Right. Uh, reasonably, Colbert. unlike Chester. Yeah. He, he didn't include game shows, so that's why Jeopardy's not on there. Otherwise, it would. Mm-hmm. He says he did include reality shows, although it might not be appear to be because he doesn't really like them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really partial to prank shows. He says, like everybody else, from what I heard so far, Chester's list is better than Akiva's, although see number three below. So number three on AB's list is the West Wing, which neither one of us has in our top ten. Mm-hmm. And AB's a, uh, a West Wing uh, fanatic. He says, if you, didn't, if you didn't see the West Wing, you're not qualified to put together a TV list. Just like someone who didn't see The Godfather or Shawshank Redemption is not qualified to put together a movie list. Akiva, just to explain, The Godfather is a, uh, is a cinematic epic that you're not familiar no, with. Leave the jokes to me. I think that, yeah. first of all, he puts Mad Men at 95, which is strange because I feel like if you don't like Mad Men, like, did he watch the whole Mad Men? Well, he has ex- his explanation for Mad Men. He says, this is an odd spot, I know. I kind of trudged three seasons before ultimately deciding it wasn't for me, but yeah. I don't necessarily hate it. I understand a little what people see in it. I think, uh, and also, like, for his Westling point, you know that your whole circle of friends, A.B., overrates the West Wing a little bit. You guys and Richard Joel. I do, like, West Wing is great, but I watched a lot of episodes that were bad, and, like, all that, you know, once it's, like, uh, Alan Alda versus Jimmy Smith or whatever, it's not that great. I love the West Wing. Sure. And also, he has Mozart in the Jungle at 60. I feel like the only people who watch that show were the Golden Globes voters. I don't know what it's about, and I hear it's not great, but uh, he likes I it. I don't know what that is, so I can't comment. I think it won Golden Globe for, like, best comedy, but no one knows what it is. It's on Amazon. All right, who else? Give it. Let's, let's run through these lists. Who else? Uh, super fan Robbie, we already discussed. He has Sunny at number one, and he was pissed that you didn't have. Yeah, it he, there. Said, uh, have he said. He said, "If we don't have Always Sunny, basically, our lists have no validity." I, I really like Sim- It's Always sim- Sunny. Similar to what AB, similar to what AB said about West Wing. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we have Greg Graham. Greg Graham has Scrubs at four, pretty high. He has Firefly at eight. A lot of people had Firefly. I'm not familiar with Firefly. Yeah, I don't know what. what I don't know what the overlap of like big sci-fi fans is i think brendan fitzpatrick also had fly firefly in his top five yeah i really don't know he had it at number five i also yeah. like he had the prices right at 10 i guess he stays home from school yep. a lot and uh mario our friend Shmaria, a big fan of prices right loves the prices well. right uh yeah but he also loves prices and he loves like supermarkets and guessing prices and yeah. coupons um and also 38 uh slings and arrows i don't know what that is but that he's got it there do you think there's anybody out there, <laughs> other than our friend Eddie Johns, do you think there's anybody out there who likes the uh, Drew Carey version of Price is Right more than the Bob Barker version? I have no idea. I, I haven't really seen the Drew Carey version much. Yeah. All right. Um, Jackie Jackie Swanson is next. Uh, Jackie has Inside the NFL at number eight. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dallas at number six. Who shot JR? But other than that, not a lot of love for Dallas on our lists. Yeah, no, for sure not. Residue Cowboys yeah. hatred. What else? All right, Jake Larson, a big fan of UK shows. He has Doctor Who at five, Sherlock at nine, and Luther at ten. People love Doctor Who. You haven't watched it, correct? I've never seen it. He had Commander in Chief at eighty-seven. I thought that was hilarious. And a I big, don't know what that is? It was like that one-season show where Gina Davis is the president on ABC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Sopranos <laughs> at forty-four. Like, just don't watch it if it's forty-four, Jake. Why do you hate the Sopranos? I don't get it. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. Um, Daffy Newport has Six Feet Under at number four. And I, I also bring that up because Six Feet Under is a show that the that the critics really love. But uh, neither one of us had Six Feet Under on our lists. And did you watch it? Because you're an HBO. You claim to be this HBO no. fanboy. And now you, there's like that's like the eighth HBO show that you haven't watched that you've mentioned. Yeah. Well, I haven't watched. Uh, first of all, I didn't claim. You claimed. You said that I was. I do watch almost everything HBO puts on now. But I haven't gone through the back, you know, the backlog and watched every single thing. OK, what else? All right, uh, Spencer Parks. His list is pretty standard. I, I think he's got a pretty solid list. Pretty yeah, that's the best. I wrote uh, this is the best list. Him and one, uh, th- one him and one of the yeah, guys. His, the best his list. list. I did a core. I did like a regression analysis. His that's a lot. But his oh list is God. the closest to mine. He has the Daily Show in the top ten. Oh, of course. So it's funny that you wait, but Spencer. Well, it's, I was going to say it's funny. You agree that Spencer has the best suits. list. 
My, do you have, have you watched Suits? No, my wife. I, I saw the the pilot and I I had a hundred problems with it. Uh, but my yeah. wife watches it. It's her favorite show. Uh, I'm not a big yeah, Suits guy. A lot guy. of people. A lot of people love it. Some people beg me to watch it, so I did, and I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'd rather right, watch uh, Game Johnny of Thrones. D. Do you only watch Game of yeah. Thrones once a week, or do you rewatch it during the week? Oh, you got to rewatch these episodes right now. Okay, it's a must. Okay, yeah. Johnny D. Silvera is a uh, House of Cards at number three. House of Cards is the first two seasons definitely would have been high on my list, but it got so preposterous by the end of season two that I quit. I didn't even watch season yeah. three. He had uh, Inspector so. Gadget at eighty six. I love that. I, it, it's sad that our kids are not going to know who Inspector Gadget is, right? Dun, 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 dun. Inspector, uh, he had yeah, the, that, that's solid. I liked Inspector Gadget. He had the littlest hobo at fifty two and Faulty Towers at eleven. Uh, that's I think a British show. It's probably by definition not funny. Yeah. But what are you going to do? No, Faulty Towers is great. It's 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 John Cleese. It's the whole, no Faulty Towers is great. I'm sure it's terrible. Boo what you a, for that what, comment? What else? By the way, Johnny D. Silvera really a uh, strong influence from his parents. So you can see he mashed Cheers and I Love Lucy four to six. He says his parents basically showed him growing up, and his family ties in number eight because he identified with Michael J. Fox. You know that he was uh, libertarian in House of Liberals, um, mm-hmm. sort of similar to Michael J. Fox in the show. All right, Andrew Parver. We already discussed this list. All network shows. Uh, he loves he has, the joy no of painting. Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is, but that's yeah. on his list. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. That was the one on PBS where the guy would paint. Yeah, I remember that. He's also he had I Love Lucy at one, which I know that's his favorite show. Yeah. Um, Dick Van Dyke at four, Odd Couple at, at six, my fa- Bob Newhart Show at seven, he had Supermarket Sweep, Big Bang Theory. But he had Supermarket Sweep at seventy, which is yeah. uh, you know I, not a network show. No, but I love Supermarket yeah. Sweep. I don't know like what was originally on, but and then he had Meet the Press at thirty six. Uh, he said he loves Meet the Press, but he really uh, hated that they killed off Russert, Tim Russert, and <laughs> he thought until then it was great. It was like there was no need to do that. No, I disagree because to me that's again it's it's like when you kill at Ned Stark. You get, or when you, or they kill Wallace in in the wire. It, you got to let people know that anybody could go at any it's time. It's true. That's you know. Yeah, I got it. Like Dick Cheney brings a gun onto the set. If he's not going to shoot someone in the face, then you know there's no drama there. Um, he has Big Bang Theory at eleven, by the way. So Andrew Parver. Yeah, no, I know Bang he Theory. likes he likes network shows. He's a, he's a, he's a corporate yeah. stooge. He loves the network. His his list would make you seem like he's never had cable, but you said he did have cable. So yeah, you know he was like, yeah, he was he was he he, he had cable. What's up? So Brendan Fitzpatrick is the X Files number one. A lot of people love the X Files. Brendan is all sci-fi. Doesn't get a lot he of lo- list. He loves sci-fi. Yeah, he's got Firefly at five, Star Trek: Next Generation at six. Did you not like the X Files or what? For me, it was just before my time. Yeah, you know, I and it's like I, the I West went, Wing. I'm not going to go back and watch it now. I went with summer camp to watch the X Files movie, and I never see the show. It didn't really. It may have been like X Files two or something. It really didn't land. He also has a show called Millennium at thirty four. I'm pretty sure he made that up. The idea of a, like the Simpsons growing up, there was an obsession. When will the Simpsons make a movie? And in hindsight, of course, it made no sense. And then they finally did make a movie, but it was way too late. Like at least ten years too late. Yeah, but it's also just an extended episode of a show. Like I understand in 1985 or 1960 why you want to make a movie, but what's the point of a show making a movie today? Well, you make extra money. The actors get paid separately. I feel like, but uh, from a critical, but I feel from like a critical Family Guy is going to come out with a movie in like three years. Well, no, Family Guy did come out with a movie, but it was actually literally just three episodes that they split up into three episodes. Sure, it wasn't in the, the theater. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I feel like. Yeah. I agree. It was the Simpsons movie would have been the most exciting thing of the '90s, but they waited ten years too. Yeah, long. Antonio Mazzaro agrees with AB Sutton. He has The West Wing at number one. He has Twilight Zone at number two. Twilight Zone, as I said, in the top ten of the critics list, but uh, before our time. So yeah, and his hottest take is probably Parks and Rec at nine. Well, he I loves mean, a lot Parks, of people and like Parks and Rec. So. Roseanne, yeah. I, I, that may have been like a year or two before our time, but Roseanne at thirty-three, and also he, I believe, is podcasted about Game of Thrones, and he put it all the way down to forty-seven. I think he's over it. Yeah, he's done with me. You, you disrespect Game of Thrones, you're out. Uh, Steph Barilaro, she has Big Brother number three, ahead of Survivor, obviously. She has Amer- she has American Dreams at number nine. What's American Dreams at number nine? I am nine? not sure. She had uh, Cougar Town at 24. 
uh, Cosby at 20. Oddly, she had it at 38. And then like a few weeks <laughs> no, ago, she sent it again and moved it up. To that's it. I'm, I'm moving just, it up. Yeah, I'm just teasing stuff. And then uh, at 10, she wrote in <laughs> the office at 10. She said it's borderline unwatchable after Michael Scott leaves. I agree. But yeah. like that's why I didn't put it in the top 10, because it is so bad after. Yeah. But that, by the way, American it, Dreams is an American television drama program broadcast on the NBC network produced by Once a Frog and Dick Clark Productions. OK. It was on in, from 2002 to 2005. Never heard know. of it. And then she has Seinfeld too, so you'd think, oh, she's trying to get my good graces, maybe. But she has friends at number one, so clearly that's not her intent. Yeah, all right. Uh, Katie, next on our list. Katie has never seen Seinfeld or The Wire or The Sopranos or Lost. Yes. So uh, K- Katie's working behind the eight ball. Yeah, a little bit Katie, here. you have. She's got homework to do for the, you know, for the next. Yeah. Podcast. But we have Down. She has Down Abbey at number two. Parenthood at number three, by the way. But Down Abbey, have you not watched Down Abbey? No, I've never seen a single episode, and I probably won't ever. Never. I won't. Yeah, my wife, who loves sort of that kind of thing, watched it and quit it. She said the characters were too, in her opinion, sort of too black and white. You know, what's that sort of thing? What's like the other? What's like the comp for Downton Abbey that you're saying? It's like Pride and Prejudice stuff like that. You okay. Know? She, she and my mom watch Pride but and Prejudice. But she's together. she's getting in your good graces because she's got GOT at one, Parenthood very high at three. But again, she's only seen yeah. it at four shows. So, yeah. All right, Zach Brooks, Daredevil again at five, Oz at seven, Alias at eight. Daredevil's only had one season, right? Maybe two. That's like. Uh, what what's what's Black Mirror? You know what that is? Yeah, it's like a British show that they show here afterwards, I think. But I could be wrong. He has number nine on his list. Let's he has see. Rick and Morty. Yeah, it's a f- British show. He has Rick and Morty at forty one. Do you ever watch Rick and Morty? No, but uh, I think Antonio Mazzari or Mike Bloom, one of them has it in the top fifteen. Yeah, I think it's Mike Jessica Bloom. Jones, which is I think had one season at twelve. He's the House of Cards podcaster for Post Show Recaps. Didn't make his top ten. Only has it at 11, and he has uh, the worst reality show ever made, Opposite Worlds, at number 100. Wow. Um, Eddie Johns, we've already discussed, but Eddie Johns doesn't have Seinfeld, Sopranos, or Curb on his list, so he also has a lot of homework. But he has a couple of solid picks. He has he, he has The Genius at number three, which you like. He has Peep Show at number six, which I like. Peep Show, a British comedy, very, very funny show. I wouldn't say it's number six. Then he has a show called Banshee at number eight. Have you ever heard of Banshee? Yeah, it's uh, it's on Cinemax. They, there's a podcast about it, like... Uh, like a big comedian yeah. loves it, so he does podcasts about it. Ninety-eight, yeah. uh, Keenan and Kel love that, and he loves the Drew Carey show. That's at number sixteen. We got an email from Maureen. I think it might be Todd. I think this is Maureen. She said, uh, "I think she's from an older generation. She has Carol Burnett up there." What are you? Uh, you're aging. What are you? Older generation? Are you insane? That's what you're saying <laughs> to her. female listeners. Yeah, I shouldn't say that to. Yeah, I apologize, Maureen. I'm just saying she has Carol Burnett. How about you take it out, oh. you jerk? No, here's their top 10. Carol Burnett, All in the Family. Dick Maybe like she's Colin 22 Moore. and she went back and watched Carol Burnett show because she, you know, you claim First that people all, binge. I've I've been on record before. I don't trust the opinions of anybody under 30. If you're under 30, I don't care what you have to say about anything in the world. So I'm hoping she's not 22. Is that why you don't right? listen I'm when hope- your kids are crying and you ignore them? Yeah, if, well, people under 30, they cry a lot, right? And the, it's the me generation and they whine and, you know, they need to get awards. <laughs> she's <laughs> really trying. <laughs> uh, she has no, an elf I, I, at 73. That's a classic also. <laughs> the Grinder. Carol Burnett show. I've seen bits of Carol Burnett show online. Very, very good. And yeah. ahead of its time. The Grinder, which is, I think, a one. Apologies. In- Marine, I love you. Apologies. Don't let it keep a sour you on me. Uh, the, the Grinder, which I think is a one and done Fox show. It's about to be canceled at number 18. And her favorite all-time show is The Office. The only the uh, post Michael Scott years, though she says. Yes. She says once that asshole Michael Scott oh, got way better. <laughs> John Gormley has whose line is it anyway at number two. Uh, he says, I love the show by far, the show I tweet about the most, and I have a great love for improv, so this show inspired me a lot. I really like that show also. Uh, did you ever watch Whose Line Is It Anyway growing up? I've seen episodes, sure. John Gormley, I, I see I see his tweets. I haven't seen too many tweets about Whose Line Is It Anyway, but maybe the references I don't get because I wasn't a serious watcher of the but show. But he, he has Seinfeld number one, so I'm, I'm on board with that. 
Yeah, Alex Kuntz has lost number one, so you're on board with that. And he has Jeopardy at number 10, and another lover of Jeopardy. I also like Jeopardy. You know, he, yeah, he also has list. Twin Peaks at 36. I feel like that's a show that that was the lost of its time. And I know that, like, the thing was people were very unhappy with the twist, but I also don't know what, like, who the killer was or where the body was or whatever the big mystery is. So I feel like that's, like, a good show to rewatch at some point or to watch since I've never watched it in the first place. All right, now, now we get to Mike Bloom. He is the biggest reality fan of any of our listeners. He's got The Genius at 4. He's got The Mole at 10. He's got Amazing Race at 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are all good rankings so far. <laughs> I've never seen an episode That's of The Amazing matter. Race, actually. I'm sure it's good. Yeah, um, I really don't know. All right, now, now we got Sam Shuffle. Uh, he has Psych at number 5. I've never heard of Psych. I think it's, it's, on, I think it's on, on USA. From 2006 to 2014. Characters yeah. wanted. Uh, so it had a... L- had a long run on USA, but I'm not really familiar with it. It's a police procedural, it says. Okay. Um, Morgan Eastwood. Uh, big fan of Morgan. He's got Deadwood at number one. I love Deadwood. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good ranking. Yeah, we were too yeah. mean to Deadwood. I feel like it, it needed... it need You know, the it's funny. Comedies and sort of alternative shows like Chappelle Show and Review, we were I was willing to put up really high with only two or three seasons in Ali G, whereas dramas really needed five seasons to make it up my list. Yeah, I mean, look, the reason I love Boardwalk and Deadwood is, as I said, I, I love, and I love historical fiction as well, reading it. I love things where there's a mix between real characters and fake characters. And, and also, if it's a topic I don't know a lot about, like, I don't know anything about the Old West. And so I'd watch Deadwood. I didn't know who was a real character or a fake character until I went on and, like, I did my own research about it. And it's incredible how many real-life people they have, and, but they do a nice mix. And so I was a big fan of Deadwood for that reason. Um, also, my brother-in-law, I'll give him a shout-out, my, my, my sister's husband, he and I watch a lot of shows together, and that includes Deadwood, uh, Fargo, Boardwalk Empire, and so he, you know, I enjoy those shows more because I watch them with him. Borgen, by the way, Borgen. Have you seen Borgen? No, but I hear it's good. I think it's Hillary Clinton's yeah. favorite show. Oh, I'm not joking. That's not a joke. I believe it's her favorite show. I cannot say that your favorite show is a Dutch show. It's I'm gotta be pretty American, sure obviously. that Hillary Clinton loves Borgen because that's the only thing I know about the show. Yeah, it's it's Borgen. I'm right. Hillary's favorite TV show. Hmm. Wow, interesting that she said that. Well, I'm not voting for her then, because you know what? If you don't support American TV, no. Um, all right, now we got um, we got Jim Hersberger, another guy who's a little older than us, I think. Um, self-described that way, actually. He's an older fellow from Pittsburgh. Well, and again, why, older why, means, do you, why do you have to say every listener's age before? First of all, because he says that in his We don't have enough listeners to, tur- to start turning the people off who do um, listen. L- let, me just, let me just be very explicit so all my listeners understand. If you're under 30, you're a immature idiot and you don't know what you're talking about. And if you're over 35, you're over the hill and probably don't know what you're talking about either. I so do not co-sign this stupid spot. comment. <laughs> you're the dumbest person I know. You're 32. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, but Jim has Mash all in the family. Mary Tyler Moore, Cheers, Happy Days, all in his top ten. So, look, it's important because we need people to school us on the value of these classics that we don't, you know, appreciate enough. So it's good that we got a diverse listener base for that reason. Yeah, very, very diverse. <laughs> yeah, our listener base is extremely diverse. Yeah. All right, now Max Benowitz is next. Uh, Max also has a couple of my favorite HBO shows up there. He's got Deadwood at number two. He's got Life and Times of Tim at number eight. So good job, Max. Solid list by you. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to Ami Solo. Ami Solo has. Uh, Mostly sort of a all-time top ten shows, all in his top ten. Nothing controversial there. He's got Frasier number nine. You mocked the idea of watching a, rewatching a Frasier today, but or even said, watching in the Frasier. first place. No, Frasier's a very good show. What do you mean you're still watching? How do you have time? Like every time I mention a show, you're like, oh, I re- would watch that. What are you not doing? <laughs> no, is it bathing? Is just, it like playing? <laughs> is it like hanging out with your family? What first are you of skipping all, to watch like, all these shows? Like every other person, I shower at least once a month. I take offense to that. Comment. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Shmaria Gasner, our, our good buddy, uh, he has Law and Order at number two. 
And he has Sports Center number five. Love it. I love Sports Center number five. Yeah. It should be number one. But he didn't specify. Also, I assume it's the is it like the whole family of Law and Order's five, or is it just the original? And the same and, thing for Sports Center. Does he only like certain like is he it's only like the the Sunday night sports center? He like likes the, the one from Patrick LA. from the nineties. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael Robinson has the OC at number two, which I think is the highest of anybody that does the OC. He has Prison Break, your show that started the list at 100. He has Prison Break at number seven. And he has Futurama at number 10. Futurama is a show I thought people really loved, mm-hmm. but did not get a lot of love on our list. No, didn't get a lot of love, but. Uh, well, you hate fine. The Simpsons, so obviously you hate Futurama, but. No, I don't hate Futurama, and I like The Simpsons a lot. No, if you have it at 34, you don't like it a lot. No, that's like when you criticize somebody who had Game of Thrones 47 or whatever it was. No, because I've seen I've seen every episode of Game of Thrones, and like I would quit it if I didn't like it. But I, I can't. All right. We've had this conversation 100 times. It's yeah. just right. stupid okay. at this point. You're, you're wrong, and I'm right. Okay. And then um, our last listener whose list uh, was submitted before the deadline is Bob Phelan. He's got Men of a Certain Age, number eight. Yeah, that's that's bananas. Well, I don't know. A lot of people like that show. I know that Ray Romano is a, a big fan of Men of a Certain Age. I mean, uh, he's been on it, but I heard an interview with him recently. He's, he's been he's really, on really it. Proud that's of that. his show. He's a big fan <laughs> yeah, of it. It's like I heard but Brian I, Cranston freaking loves Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, no, but what I mean is he he thinks he thinks that it's like the best thing he's ever done, and he thinks it should get more attention, like relative to everybody loves. Raymond. He's done two things, and one of them is everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> All right, whatever. My point is that it deserves more uh, respect. Says the guy who created the show. All right. Um, by the way, uh, Bob Phelan has oranges the new black at number seventeen. Eight people listed it, but Bob ha- is highest on it at number seventeen. We didn't have it on our list. Have you watched Oranges the New Black? Never seen it. Episode. Why did Why did you not? I'm sort of surprised. You watch everything. You watch Love and everything else on Hulu. Why did you not give? A- First of all, it's called Netflix, not, not Hulu. Hulu. I've never Sorry, seen Netflix. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested in spending time in prison. I'm, I don't. I never watched Oz. I'm not a big prison show guy. Ah, so that's your reason. All right. Yeah. So I'll say this: I was very excited for Orange Is the New Black. I watched season one. I thought it was really good. And then all of a sudden, like episode six or seven, I quit. And the reason I quit is because it became very apparent to me that they were going to completely manipulate the storyline because the fact that the show was more popular than they expected. So she was going to come out of jail in a year, and then all of a sudden I realized they were going to find excuses to keep her in longer. So it's like prison break. I got annoyed and I quit. And and as we, we've seen before, especially by my love for The Wire and Game of Thrones, I love it when you have a narrative, like a fully formed narrative in the beginning, and you show me your narrative piece by piece. Not I, I don't want to feel like the pettiness or the stupidity of viewers is going to impact your decisions because you're the artist you create what you want to create don't don't kowtow to people like me you make the art no look at you david simon jr (laughs) all right so now let's go to the cumulative listener top 10 so this is averaging everybody together and once again like i did for the critics list i'm throwing a kiva and i in here as well so we triple count we have our own lists and we we average in everybody else's list as well if you don't like it start your own podcast so the number one show of all time it appears on we have a total as i said of 31 listeners who submitted lists this show appears on 24 of the 31, which is the most, but you know, still doesn't appear on seven lists in the top 10. That's Seinfeld, obviously. Number one show of all time. Mazel tov. Yeah, and, and there, was a, there was a period of time when uh, Breaking Bad actually leapt ahead of it in the rankings, but then uh, the last few viewers put uh, Seinfeld back ahead where it belongs. Breaking Bad is number two, again, by a huge margin. Breaking Bad on 23 lists. It and Seinfeld are the only shows that appear on even half the lists, so after that, everything is on half or fewer of lists. The gap between Breaking Bad at number two and Game of Thrones at number three is bigger than the gap between Game of Thrones at number three and like the show that's 30th on the list. So it's Seinfeld, huge gap, or Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, and then a huge gap. In third place, we have Game of Thrones. 
Game of Thrones, again, it's a little higher on this list than it is on uh, the critics list because, you know, these people are sending in their list to us in real time. Number four is The Wire on our all-time fans list. So one through four of the fans almost perfectly mirrors my list. Not yours because you're way too low on Breaking Bad and on Game of Thrones. But then um, then, then it's uh, where you sort of take over, your influence, the next two shows. Five is Survivor and six is Lost. Okay. And again, Survivor appears on the third highest number of lists after Seinfeld and Breaking Bad. Uh, okay, yeah. Number seven, Curb Your Enthusiasm, actually. Uh, number eight, The yep. Sopranos. Again, Sopranos is too low, and it's sort of an indictment of our listeners. I'm sorry, because you know the critics have a consensus that it's the number one show of all time, and yet two-thirds of our listeners don't have The Sopranos anywhere in their top ten. And a few admitted they've never even seen it. Listen, they're not, yeah, because they're not followers like you. <laughs> um, all right, number nine is Arrested Development. Number ten is Friends. 11, just missing the top 10 in the final cumulative rankings, but it appears on 11 lists, which is you know more than a number of other shows, is The Simpsons. And then we have The West Wing after that. By the way, I'm the only person of Colbert Report anywhere in the top 10 lists. Yeah, obviously, because it's an absurd ranking and uh, no one should do it. I forgot to mention, Saunders has uh, the King of Queens on his list at 7. Okay. It's a solid spot. All right, so there you go. So that's it. So that's the, uh, the cumulative decision of the 32 fans world. Seinfeld, the greatest show of all time. Breaking Bad, second. Game of Thrones, third. Akiva, you've been overruled. The fans side with me more, at least when it comes to the top of the list. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You Anything else to say at the end of this three-episode-long, like, seven-hour odyssey of the greatest TV yeah, shows? Yeah, thanks so much for sticking with us. I really appreciate everyone sent in the list. This is the most interaction and feedback and probably listeners we've had for any of these shows. Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to put, like, the, the overall the data online, the overall list, so you can sort of take a look and see where shows got ranked and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, I'm sure hundreds of people are, are waiting with bated breath for that. Yeah. I'm excited to do the movie show, although I feel like people will be a lot less passionate. Uh, but let us know if we should do movies from 2000 or movies from 1990 or the last 25 years or somewhere, you know, one of those uh, rubrics or what have you. We have to make a decision right now if we want people to start submitting lists. So, executive decision. We are going to rank... The best movies of the last 25 years. So the, the movie had to have come out in 1991 or thereafter. Okay? okay. Is that all right with you? Sure. Other than that, define it how you want. No, 91 is... It, yeah, that's fine. Define it how you want. You know, you can include documentaries. You can include things that went straight to DVD. You can include th- movies on HBO. However you want to define it. Uh, send in your movies. Don't include anything from 30 for 30 unless you're an idiot. I uh, love you all, and have a wonderful night or day or whatever. Good luck editing this six hours of nonsense, Chester. Yeah. Whatever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.